You're listening to Microspy, a podcast that takes a closer look at the lives and work of musicians and creatives I admire. My name is Eric Rattensperger. In this episode, I speak with Robert Pedersen and Rex Shelverton of the band Portraits of Past. Portraits of Past was a hardcore band from Half Moon Bay between 1993 and 95, and did a handful of reunion shows between 2008 and 2009. Their debut LP, released on Evolution Records, came out after they had already broken up, and it wasn't until over time did people start to catch on to the brilliance of this band's music. I met with Rex and Robert in San Francisco. We recorded this conversation at Rex's rehearsal space and talked for almost three hours. They revealed their very beginnings with punk rock and paint a very saturated picture of their surroundings during the time Portraits of Past was a band. We discuss how environment affects creative process and how there are some things in art that simply can't be articulated. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Robert Pedersen and Rex Shelverton of Portraits of Past. been into like classic rock stuff because my dad got me he's like okay you got to start with like you know Led Zeppelin 1 before you can get into Led Zeppelin 2 and the whole dad dad rock thing or whatever and I was totally into that stuff our friend Eric Judy um who plays went on to play bass in a band called Modest Mouse he brought in a dubbed Metallica tape and so we had this thing in math class where he could bring in a song and play a song and so he he played Creeping Death by Metallica. For me, it was is that corny, like you hear it, it's just like arch- archetypical experience where you're like, oh, this is what I've been waiting to hear. I thought something like this might exist, but I didn't know anything like this could exist. This is it. Like, you know, da, 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 da. I was just like, oh man. And I literally that day went out to the mall with my mom. I'm like, mom, I've got to get this tape. And my mom's like the best. She's been so supportive, like with the whole music thing and and she was like super into early MTV and like new wave stuff and new romantic kind of music and stuff like, you know, psychedelic furs and, and all this other stuff. And and so she's like, oh, cool. You know, I want to hear what's the new hip thing or whatever. And so we go to the mall and I, you know, and we bought that Metallica tape and we listened to it on the way home. And I was just. Yeah, what's interesting yeah. about that. And then I dubbed it for everybody, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, what's so, interesting is so where we grew up in Half Moon Bay or Moss Beach is was essentially rural. It's it's not even suburban. And so whether or not we could afford to buy Metallica tapes in seventh grade, which probably none of us could, yeah. there was actually no access to it. Like going to the mall is an hour plus trip yeah. over the hill on a freeway to go somewhere. We don't have a local so mall. It was like there's yeah. literally not a single place to buy music until I guess Long's opened, right? And then there was tapes there. Yeah. So yeah, there was there was no mall, there was no record shop where we grew up until you know yeah. we had parents to drive us or until we got licenses. That moved on to like mall punk, we'd call it now, you know, like Misfits yeah, and Black I mean, Flag and, and like all and, that kind of And other stuff. metal like Iron Maiden and DRI and, and that yeah. kind of stuff too, which but but I think a lot a lot of times when you hear these conversations from musicians and creative people in general, there's like an older brother who got us yeah. The older brother common. used to, you know, he played drums or whatever. And I don't think we really had no. that so much other yeah. And so we sort of found it on our own with our own little crew of skateboarders and people who are sort of into music and it kind of grew from there. 
for me, that was how I kind of was exposed to the earlier stuff. Like, like yeah. the stuff that, like, like your Metallica was like the cure for me and Iron Maiden, actually. I mean, I wasn't a huge Iron Maiden fan. I, I gravitated more towards The Cure and, like, Smiths. And, I don't know, my older sister, who's about 10 years older than me, she was, like, I don't know, she was, like, hanging out with these punk rockers in the 80s. <laughs> and she she was kind of getting her hands on all this stuff. And b beyond The Cure cassette tapes that, that she had, be beyond the... Uh, Iron Maiden LPs that she had in her room. That I mean, I was almost more mesmerized by the artwork. Like, of course, I was like looking I mean, at that's, like it's the ultimate middle school band. Iron yeah, Maiden, just, like, just the Eddie yeah. dude, the yeah. artist. So just like, yeah, and and, <laughs> and Master of Puppets as well. But Iron Maiden, well, totally. <laughs> and and yeah. and I think at one point I did get a Ride the Lightning Metallica single cassette tape, and it, it didn't last very long. I remember there was like one time where like I had it in my backpack, and one day after school I was like throwing my backpack up in the air and I forgot that I had a cassette tape <laughs> in it and yeah. it shattered and oh well anyway but yeah it's like either siblings or skateboarding yeah, yeah. you know totally. and that seems to be a common thread where there, it, there's like those two points of entry are, are the most common you know because yeah. a lot of us grew up skateboarding or a lot of us have siblings who were kind of one step ahead and kind of discovering their own version of it but of course that that's almost like a gateway to going even deeper, like a deeper dive to totally, which know. we did. We were really lucky. We ended up starting to go to shows at a really young age. Like our first, even before that, we were going to Epicenter. Like, remember yeah, like I mean, well, that's Jim an amazing Thibault. story. I mean, so like, we were skateboarding. We were sort of skater. We'd come up, we would take the bus basically every yeah. weekend to skateboard in San Francisco. Yeah, it'd take us an hour plus. Yeah. Justin Herman Plaza, yeah, like in Barcadero. Yeah, super yeah. Skate yeah. Spot. Oh, which yeah. was a big scene. And we were 15. We were doing that 14, 15 before we had licenses to get up there. And then we were later on driving. But uh, a pro skater basically said, oh, I don't know why. Maybe we were wearing a shirt. I don't know. Yeah, how. I think I was wearing like a, maybe Misfits, one of us Misfits was wearing like a really bad bootleg Misfits T-shirt. Yeah. You know, like the really I, cheesy, like yeah. like a blatant style. bootleg. Yeah, I had the, like oh, the yeah. Dot I Am Darling one from yeah, Polk Street or something. Yeah, exactly. From, like, the place where you get the like the weird. Doc so, so you guys were you were you were, you were just skating at the spot. Yeah, yeah and then this and dude, this dude Jim Thebo, who's a pro oh, skater, he, yeah. and yeah. he's yeah. just like founded real or Tebo. He's just like. Oh yeah, hey, like you should check out this record shop, you know, called Epicenter, and I think we'd heard of it or something. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, he's like, I'm gonna go skate over there. Like, let's go. and we he, we followed him, and it's a super long, it's like a 45 minute skate or more. Maybe because it's in the, it was at 16th and Valencia. Yeah, all Got the way. So it. anyways, we really skate down Market around. Street yeah. the whole way with him, and he's ripping. You know, he's like pro, and and we're like, but he was like, come come to the shop with me. Yeah, like, check out more. And shit. so like we went upstairs that there's no storefront it was like you went up these stairs and it was above a thrift store and it was just oh wow and it was all punk records and, and it was also it was all vinyl and there were hardly any cassettes there's like demo tapes yeah, yeah. it was literally demo are you tapes familiar with epicenter like, so basically no, but so i'm certainly familiar with jim Thibault. yeah yeah well you know what 924 gilman street yeah, is which is like it's a co-op diy punk space so which was sort of, I believe, founded partially by the Maximum Rock and Roll people. Okay. So Epicenter is the record side of that. Got it was it. a yeah. it was a nonprofit hardcore punk only place in the mission that would. And it was volunteer run. Volunteer run. Got it it yeah. was nonprofit co-op. Yeah, volunteer run. Like they were like we would go yeah. in there and we'd be like, 
there's a scary older guy who's 22 and he's got like a septum <laughs> piercing and we're right. like, whoa, that guy's wearing all black. So it's just, it was just more <laughs> you know, punks. So just no, it was, it was a hundred percent punk. It wasn't like a weird old hippie head shop that right. had some punk records. It was a hundred percent hardcore yeah. like early nineties, maximum rock and roll, like mm-hmm. Noam Chomsky books and like, yeah. Kropotkin, like, yeah, yeah, all the shit, like seriously, yeah, anarchist shit. So they'd have vinyl, and half the stuff they were selling was literally the demos that people would mail to MRR to get reviewed. Wow. And so then they'd be selling like whatever strange Croatian punk demo. And I was all bummed because I'm like, dude, this is all like records. I want tapes. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so tapes? I bought some like random punk tapes, like from just the thing. Yeah, bands I didn't even know what they were. That's where know? I bought all my early vinyl, including. I whatever the famous judge bootleg is it's worth a lot of money now which (laughs) but uh, i paid six dollars for that but but epicenter was very key to the hardcore community we didn't even know when we went in there we just were told we i think we probably hadn't been to a show at that point and from there the place is papered in flyers for gilman street and the other other clubs i I love how you were literally led to this place yeah Yeah. on a skateboard by Jim Thiebo, who yeah. in some ways I guess is the older brother, because if you followed his career, he does that shit to this day. He goes and skates the DIY skate park in Oakland, gives his board away to like a six year old at the end of every session. Like wow. he, that's yeah. been his his mo for forty years. You know, he's so an amazing cool. guy. When you did get to that point where the epicenter became sort of just a part of your world. You started discovering all types of uh, bands. That's where you first started getting into actually like collecting records, yeah? Well, Rob was the one who really got the records. I would buy records, yeah. Like, Rex was a little more itinerant, I guess you'd say. Uh, yeah, and I so did. I would, we, and music, I, <laughs> I mean, I had a record, but I had a record player and I'd listen to records and buy them, but there wasn't a lot of chilling and listening to records going on because we were on the go at that age. And yeah. as soon as we had driver's licenses, it was like, or someone had a driver's license, it's like, we're in the city skating. We're right, more skate the, spots. We're over the hill skating, and we're listening to music as we go along. Right. I actually have a funny story about Eric Judy, because we spent a summer, he was our my partner in crime. Like, I guess yeah. he was 16, and I get, my birthday's in October, so I guess he got his license this, this summer, a summer that I didn't have mine yet, and we yeah. spent every weekend going to Gilman. Like, and we would go oh. to Gilman on for some shows that we didn't even know who was playing and just go spend the $5 to get in and yeah. see the bands. And that's how that's how I, we, I saw Heroin's first show, our first tour, and mm-hmm. they opened. We didn't know who they were. He bought the 7-inch, and then we're like, wow, that was weird. That's cool. Yeah. Saw Drive Like Jehu for the first time, didn't know who they were. We, I don't even know if they, we were there to see the opener. We literally just went there to pay $5 and see I mean, something right. cool. Literally, the <laughs> first time we went, we were excited to go see... Rob had just got down a downcast yeah. seven inch mm-hmm. and oh, born yeah. against. Yeah. And so we're in a born against and downcast. I think it was down. Born, I think it was downcast born against a Connor Rorschach possibly. It was I don't remember. Maybe Rorschach, not Rorschach, but I know uh, Sawhorse played. That, that sounds about right. Uh, you know, Sawhorse, which is, yeah. Another like, course. Yeah. yeah and, uh, and, uh, so we went and Rob's dad was going to Yoshi's, the famous yeah. jazz club in Berkeley. Mm. And we had he him drop us, us 45 minutes. Each yeah. We didn't have our license yet. Yeah. So he dropped us 15. off there down the block. Cause we're getting out of the, the, yeah. the Nissan uh, station wagon, you know? <laughs> and so we get out and we hadn't heard of Connor Christ yet, um, but we we're totally in a born against and, and, and downcast. And yeah. then we had to leave early. We missed the headliner, right? We missed we missed we, we missed Born Against, yeah. But then they yeah. came back really soon, really three soon. months later. Yeah. yeah, and then we also missed Econo Christ, right. I remember. But uh, you got their album, 
And Jeremy bought their T-shirt because it was so cheap. He's like, dude, they're selling T-shirts for $4. Like, <laughs> it looks super cool. And it says Iconic Christ, which is like, you know, like at the time was like a pretty like bold Edgy, name. Right, you know? right, and it's like yeah. super cool. Yeah. And like. It, Did we I, all that, get shirts? I feel like we almost all got shirts. I don't think. I think I took his shirt later. And my, um, mine fell apart in the wash because I think they literally. You made a patch out of they yours, literally right? spray, I think it was literally spray paint yeah. or else or else. Uh, like yeah. house paint on the yeah, screen yeah, super and bad. the first wash the whole thing like Just, melted yeah, <laughs> yeah no, and one of the ironic things is when my dad picked us up the next day he's like that was pretty interesting i think i think people were selling drugs outside oh of that God. club yeah. which is like gilman is a drug-free you know and it's people i'm sure people drink around the corner and all sure. that kind of stuff but there were not people selling drugs in front yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah it was amazing and i think that was nine, 1990 yeah 1990 it sounds like both of your parents were actually quite supportive of just yeah. sort of you guys being young kids. Just, I mean, at that point, I, I was going to ask you, like, w you weren't playing music just yet, or was music no. kind of so? So you uh, hadn't almost. even you haven't even touched music yet, but you were discovering this world of punk. Yeah. You guys were skating um, all over the city, just kind of like just just discovering stuff along the way yep. and like it just seemed like one thing led to the next and that thing led to the, the next yeah and it's like where it all started out just like at, at a skate spot leading to like a diy record store a diy a diy record store being led to like a diy punk space yeah and then that space i mean like, like you said you know you, you saw drive like jehu not because you were a fan of drive like jehu no. but they just happened to be coming through on tour. I mean, and we you just were there and that that first eighteen months or so that we were going to shows, the handful of us that were going, probably you and I, Jonah, Eric, and a few other people from time to time, like Jeremy, yeah. we were just going to see music, and it was so right. like and, that was the thing to do. And it was '90s, so the, what was happening here was actually really special. What you know, I mean, we're not the biggest fans of Green Day now, but we were big fans of Operation Ivy and seeing Green Day play. At yeah. that time, sure. they're an amazing fucking band. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that, you know, yeah, they're, they're not they're, they're not the closest things to our heart. But there was a vibrant scene happening at Gilman, right. which was an odd mix of traveling hardcore bands, traveling punk bands, and then um, including bands like No Means No and like some of that older school stuff. But then a really vibrant thing kicking off in that East Bay world with around Lookout yeah, Records yeah. and all that stuff. It, it seems like back then, <laughs> hardcore and punk rocks seem to be more integrated it's almost like yeah. everything kind of fell under one umbrella at the time like yeah. cl clearly there are different like like sonic aesthetics to to these bands yeah but it just seemed like it was like a, a whole like melting pot of of different yeah. stuff it Whereas was now, or at least it was here i don't know if it was everywhere i'm not sure but i, I don't i, I think don't, here no it was idea. a little weird yeah i don't know it was weird like well we'll get into that later but like yeah. when we went on tour like seeing how they did it in other places or whatever. Yeah. Here, I think it was definitely, yeah, there's just a more of the whole like hippie, po like the new yeah. neo hippie kind of like vegan activist y stuff. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of overlapped with like different genres of music, whether right, it was like right. heavy stuff or pop punk, or it was like, yeah. yeah. kind of all like was, just, yeah, it's part, part of the community or whatever. And it, it, that started to change, you know, think, yeah. a few years later. I, th I think so too. And, and, you know, similarly, that, was the case in Connecticut back in the 90s around the same time um you know there was this one venue called the tune-in and uh, I was just talking about the tune-in um with Jeff from Orchid last week and we he, we both grew up in Connecticut and we were going to the same shows and 
you know, your Gilman uh, was basically my tune in, you know, it was like a DIY run spot. Nice. It, it maybe held like 200 people max similar to you guys we would you know just just kids in general a lot of us just went there paid five bucks and would hang out drink a cola and like Mm -hmm. just see the bands that were coming through and you know one weekend you could see a ska band and a hardcore band on the same bill or you could see like some kind of um you know i mean i remember there was a band i think they were from california i don't know why i'm remembering this now but there was a band called for love not lisa Hmm. and i think they were on this label called east west which was a subsidiary of some major label at the time. So when, as a younger mm-hmm. kid and seeing this band come through, I thought it was such a big deal that like, oh, this, this band's on this label. And I, mean, I don't know what happened to them since then, but, but I remember first discovering them through like a snowboard video I had. And then I'm like, oh shit, they're coming through town. And, and again, but yeah, but, but that just supports the, the point of like things being just more mixed up back then. It's like a ska band, like a power pop band, and then a hardcore band or like a youth crew band or straight edge band would, you'd find all these bands under one roof in one weekend. And it's like, yeah, it was vibrant. It was weird. And when you're young and you're discovering all types of music, yeah, it's, it's almost like you're just, you're like a sponge and you're just kind of, yeah. you're, yeah. you're kind of processing what you're being exposed to. Yeah. The other thing I know I remember for that time that was interesting too, especially around the pop punk situation was, I was going to shows when that shit got big. You know, I saw yeah. actually one of the bands who I just happened to see at Gilman was The Offspring right before they wow. signed, which yeah. is just random because, again, I've never owned an Offspring record. I yeah. heard their hits on the on the on the radio later. But there was this sense in the Bay, especially around Gilman and Epicenter, that some bands were about to get big or did get big mm-hmm. and other people were reacting to it in various ways positive and negative which was interesting because i don't think we really understood it or give it gave Mm -hmm. a shit at the time but being right there at the cusp i'm not saying it necessarily influenced us or anything maybe it did but it was just interesting it was a i don't know it was an interesting context i guess you'd say or sort of a a thing was happening right you know yeah and and that kind of you know it was a bummer sometimes showing up because it was like oh it's like this like drunk punk gutter show and we'd just hang outside because we it's like our version of going to the bar at the time or whatever mm-hmm. it's just like well we're just hanging out it's five bucks you know it's yeah. like what else are we gonna do but it's also it's like we'd end up at shows and it'd be stuff that we weren't super digging or whatever right. and that kind of formed us too like oh well we're kind of all moving towards getting into this sort of a thing right. or whatever you know and like the straight edge thing kind of happened super randomly just we were all kind of outsiders like our little group at home and it was just one more way of rebelling like we you know got early on got in like minor threat and all that stuff and and so it was a kind of a cool way to rebel was to like while the other jock kids are going and raging and you know getting drunk and smoking weed or whatever and so it's like a fun way to be like we're so alternative that right. we don't even do that stuff, yeah. you know, yeah. and we're too cool. And there was no you know. straight edge context that we're, we in had no idea. People had a minor, yeah. the minor right. threat tape, like, right. the, like there was no, yeah. Yeah. we didn't know what chain of strength was or youth of today at that time. Yeah. So, and there, as far as we, I even yeah. know now there wasn't even that scene. I think there were a couple bands in the mm-hmm. early nineties in Sacramento that were straight edge, straight edge. Yeah, yeah. And so we sort of started yeah. claiming or at least being straight edge before we kind of knew what the scene was, but yeah. there was even a scene of that. We yeah. like X on your hand was cause and Mackay had it and we didn't and it was drink. like, a, it was and, just a cool way to rebel. More, it was definitely like, rebelling right. against you know? our hyper local high school thing because yeah. 
you know, we grew up, uh, the town we grew up in was very kind of redneck at the time and, yeah. and, uh, and just, you know, jocks and jock Gestapo right. and all it's, that it's, stuff. It's almost like a, it's almost like <laughs> it's a natural like, tendency to, to want to counter all of the stuff like yeah. in sure. front of you where like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to carve my own path going yeah. this way, like the exact opposite way. Yeah. And then you, and then you kind of find yourself along the way sure. and, and um, it, and it's that much more exciting when you actually find yourself doing it with your friends, you know, yeah, where like it, you're, you're totally, like, yeah. You're, you have a, you're a gang. Like it was our own little you know? posse. Yeah. But and that happened like with the artistically later too, like just what stuff we we're into. Like it was like at the time they called the emo thing was happening or whatever. Um, we called it hardcore, yeah. you know, we kind of hated when people call it emo stuff, but yeah. like, I mean, it's so such a different context than today. Completely. I can't yeah. explain it I to don't even know even. how really we even heard that word. Because because punks were making fun of like bands like Heroin would come through and the first time couple times they came through like seeing them at Occidental House and seeing yeah. them at we saw yeah. these like early Heroin shows and then later on some of the more like punk rocky traditional punk rocky or pop punk people were kind of mm-hmm. like oh like that's emo or whatever you know right. and like they were experimenting and they were a weird band and and they were super influential for us to see that happening it was like oh wow like they look different and it sounded so different the music was so mysterious it wasn't right. very straightforward mm-hmm. i was always drawn to that the mystery uh, the sound of it yes. yeah you can't even tell what was going on half the time it was yeah. so it was weird and 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 so that was like a statement against is a way to differentiate from the mm-hmm. whole regular you know punk scene it wasn't right. even almost punk and and then you know and then there's other obviously bands doing the same kind of thing on the east coast too but there's definitely like a local vibe that was yeah. happening on the West Coast, and we we really sort of started tuning into that. Would you guys say that that like bands like Drive, like Jehu, and I already know the answer to this because we talked about it before, just like them being one of the the earlier influences for you guys. But you you said you were you know you saw bands like Heroin. Like, would you say they were one of the bands that kind of really got you thinking, like what you guys could maybe do creatively? Sort of, not later on, but like when we first started, after our first Gilman <laughs> show, I'm like, oh, cool, we'll play here. Like, even though we didn't have a band, I didn't oh, even yeah. play guitar yet. <laughs> we kind of um, knew really, something was going to I was happen. like, oh, cool, we'll like do start a band. And, and, and Aaron, who played drums with us originally, he was getting a drum set here. He had a drum set, and I, I got a guitar, and, and Rob got a guitar, and, and we started fiddling around. Yeah, yeah. And we knew whatever we did was maybe heroin was influential because we, because they were different and we're like whatever we do it's going to be really extreme and really different yeah, you know because yeah, yeah. we had to, always had it be kind of like you know i mean we were 16 we're rebelling anything. against anything yeah, yeah anything yeah. and everything <laughs> but i was like i'm not going to eat your food i'm not going to take your drugs i'm not going to like, listen to your modern yeah. rock radio station <laughs> they're on major labels yeah. hell no you know yeah, that's totally. not cool or whatever totally. uh and so i don't think when we first started Aaron, our drummer, was like really into more of the heavier thing that was happening at the time yeah. too. Um, so he was like into bands like Crossed Out and mm-hmm. Man, it's a bastard. Drop and we were all into that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dead. and Grief was a big one that I just remembered the other day, which oh, was right. a big influence on the first the the de- first recording was mm-hmm. that sure that doom stuff. Yeah, but um, like, and I just kind of <laughs> went along. I was like, oh, that's cool. I I still always liked the more melodic kind of sounding stuff, but yeah. you know, we just. So we tune down and, you know, we do lots of big muffs. Yeah. We do (laughs) stuff with like blast beats and like, we didn't call it that. We didn't know what it was called. You know, we just play super fast or whatever. It's almost just like this organic melding of both like the heavier, faster stuff 
Yeah. Like, paired with the more melodic. Yeah. And that, ha- that kind of happened a little more later. Like, first it was just the super heavy stuff we were kind of trying as, to do, yeah. but yeah. not metal, you know? Yeah. But as we were talking about before, the influences were coming fast and furious. Yeah. I remember stuff, I remember yeah. you playing Ska week to week. Because sure. Because we were yeah. big Operation Ivy fans for, yeah. like, three months and you right. were shredding ska riffs <laughs> and then like three months later it sounds like grief yeah you know exactly. or whatever which totally, yeah. it's not an insult it's just like no no the, not at the, all. The, the, the like we the were evolution. just cycling through right. things so quickly and it's, just yeah. it's just like just taking in the the influences or just listening to fucking music and the, then trying to play something you know and being like what <clears> can we do and what what is cool not even what is cool but what is moving us at the time yeah right. and i think it was shifting very very quickly yeah at the you're time. Right. And, and it's it's such an exciting time when when you're that young <laughs> and you're you're processing so much it's also i think very special when it's all kind of like happening right then and there where yeah. it's it's all new yeah and and you haven't received anything like that like you you, you haven't been exposed to anything like what what it was you were seeing at Gilman at the time, or the records you were discovering at Epicenter, like I love just hearing how the world was so, is was sort of being created, yeah. or created rather, in the be, in the very beginning, just how all the pieces are kind of coming together. Because where you guys grew up, you said it was more like more rural than even suburban. Like, did you guys feel like you were? sort of on your own at this at this point like were you guys sort of like a very tight knit crew and it was yeah. like you you it, seeing everything else yeah and it wasn't just our band or the people who were around our band but we had a sl- slightly bigger crew than that of most yeah. of the people who skateboarded yeah, yeah um and a couple older guys who got cars earlier than us and so not to say it was all about punk because i remember when we first got straight out of compton how important that was and mm-hmm, some of yeah. the early gangster rap or yeah. early other rap stuff which yeah. none of us really got super into it but that was part of it was part, part of the, of the world. part of the same thing yeah. and so yeah i mean we were basically voluntary outcasts as soon as we yeah could be, <laughs> starting yeah. at age 12 or 13 i mean i, I felt um, this i felt the same way and like, it was but it i i mean at least i look back on it it's part of the reason i left and part of the reason probably i left the band is like for me growing up at Happen Bay it was a super heavy situation by the time we turned 12 or 13 some of our families were having troubles there was there was drugs in the community there was violence in the community and we and maybe i'm making some of that a- up after the fact but some serious shit was he- going down yeah we it was personally uh, personally but also just it was kind of a repressive environment just for anyone who was looking different or even yeah. just being a skateboarder just getting harassed by cops i mean even just dating stuff. for me was the big thing it was just like i couldn't until later it softened up with with our class or our group in, in school, I mean, we couldn't, like our little group, we couldn't date anyone in our school, seriously, because we were weird. And it was just like, oh, yeah. those guys are weird. And it was a major thing to be a weird kid. Like, that is, whoa, like that guy, yeah. you know. It was and, just a hyper-conformist area. It, 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 yeah, yeah, it was, it was yeah. difficult that way. But then it was beautiful. What a beautiful thing. Like, now I think that's probably a challenge maybe for somebody coming up who's at that age to find their own niche. That's like totally different because everyone can just find out about anything now that they want or, or feel it's like it's all been done or whatever. So people are inventing new things, whether it's like emo rap or whatever, you know, like some other cool, I don't even know what it is because I'm, I'm old and and out Mm -hmm. of it, but like, but you know, we had, so we were, it was a beautiful thing. Like most of us are all still friends from that time. There's, you know, probably about 15 or 20 of us um, that still hang out. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of us still play music together. And, and um, 
it, it really was like going through something serious, you know, like like almost like your old Vietnam troop or something that you're, you yeah. know, served with or something. It's kind of a, almost like a similar thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it was us forming our individual identities as ad- becoming adults, but yeah. in this group, in this hyper-focused local area and sort of setting ourselves up in opposition to what's going on around yeah. us. Not not for political reasons or whatever, but I think it was almost like a fight for our lives in some ways. Right. Just like, it, like it's con- almost like self-preservation yeah. or something. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. Know? It was, yeah. You know, I think and, uh, you, if you, when you, we, you look back, it's not like we chose to get into music. Like I chose to get out of music, but be- but before that, I think we, we it was just going to happen no matter what. As soon as we got turned on to some of this stuff, it was just sort of destiny or whatever you want to say. When you guys started actually playing music as Portraits of Past, um, what were the the big the beginnings like? We kind of talked about a little bit how like you kind of started off with like this sort of heavier approach to the music and all that, and then I'm sort of prefacing the inquiry to the LP, mm-hmm. you know, which has has obviously um, had a huge impact on on the scene and on many 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 people. I just love listening to you guys kind of create this context in terms of where it all began because it's giving me a better understanding and like how it sort of led you guys to this musical realm. Can you tell me a little bit about like the beginnings of the time you guys got guitars and you started experimenting with music, experimenting with writing and, and, and all the sounds and all that, but, but maybe we, we skip a couple steps ahead and talk about when Portraits of Past really was like a realized group where like you guys found each other in this creative space, making this type of music. And I imagine creating that music, or being in a band and making that music almost helped create like a more secure bubble around you guys. Yeah, all did. the exterior things happening and things that you were observing that just weren't aligning with. Yeah. It was a great escape. It was like the easiest way to rise above or escape was just through like, oh, well, we just go to band practice. Like, what right. we're not going to go do. And even from the skate... The skate scene, which was kind of getting a little bit stale and, and had kind and of moved on. Gnarly and gnarly, too. And gnarly. Some of our yeah. friends had gotten into some pretty bad stuff. And, and just people on the periphery, like the whole Embarcadero thing, like that got pretty dark. Like, mm. you know. It was a heavy scene. I mean, if, you watched, yeah. if you watched some of the, like, Epically Later with, like, Henry Sanchez or yeah. some of those guys, that whole scene got, like, super dark. And, um, you know, uh, we kind of just jumped ship a little bit. And also it became really serious all of a sudden. We always knew we were going to do music before any of us had instruments, you know? Yeah. And then we started playing, and, and we, we made what we called the demo uh, with Bart Thurber and uh, um, at this place called House of Faith where tons of f- bands recorded back in the day. And, like, we didn't exactly know. It was our first kind of experience recording. And we're, it was like we just wanted to get a couple songs out of it because we... Um, we knew we were going to do, we wanted to do something with Ebullition Records and we'd kind of written to Kent before and he was like, oh, I don't know, you know, if I'm totally into it. And we had some friends that, that were working with him and we had sort of a connection with him and, and he wasn't, he's like, I'm going to do a, I'll do a split with you guys or whatever. And I guess the first submission, we needed a song for the straight edge comp, the bands that are straight edge, but don't believe in straight edge or whatever it was yeah. like the know, xxx comp, the XXX comp. Mm-hmm. and and so that, yeah. we were like super honored and 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 amazing you know it was like, oh my god we're gonna be on this record i mean we'd barely played many shows probably at that point right? i think we'd played like but one or two shows and um we kind of just rushed this thing and, and recorded these songs and 
from that process sort of figured out, oh, wait, these are the strong points. I guess we sort of learned what was working and wasn't working. And what we were doing that was maybe unique to us or, you know, whatever. I mean, that could be argued how unique it is. But we felt like it was some of it was unique. We didn't even have a band name then. And we were rehearsing. And I remember thinking of the band name. I don't know how it came. It just was a super strange thing where you have something from your subconscious it pops through your prefrontal cortex and it's like <laughs> idea and it got one got through i'm like oh portraits of the past let's look that up if that is something and we'd like looked it up yeah. not i couldn't google back then but like you know we just we weren't sure what that came from and that the name even within the group i think was a little bit divisive because aaron and dan who had played on the dem our bass player and our drummer dan came from like a death metal background and thrash and stuff and, and you know awesome rad dude and he was really but he was getting into he was really inspired music for a he while was. Like he loved heroin and he loved uh, hoover yeah you know mm-hmm. and all this stuff and he was super getting inspired by that and aaron on the other hand and yeah for a while and then aaron on the and aaron was really into the heavy stuff too and the no- noise stuff and just different stuff and and mm-hmm. so a little bit after that was kind of when we decided we kind of wanted to go like with more of, I, guess, I don't know if you call it melodic I mean, or I don't know. You know, don't, it's, I mean, terms are kind of hard. Looking but, back know. at those early songs, mo- most of which I would rather not listen to, I, I think it's pretty obvious that Journeyman was a st- standout yeah, yeah. of our first songs and certainly of the first yeah. recording session. And I think, regardless of how we feel about that song now, that was showing us a yeah. way. It was a bit of a yeah. bridge between, I mean, I don't think we were ever playing traditional hardcore, but like between. That, that side and where the album ended up. Journeyman just, it, you know, it's fast, whatever, but it has a little more of that melodic, melodic thing. And, and Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah that's what's know. cool about playing, just art in general. You just, you try things, and especially when you're young and naive, you just, you'll try anything. You'll yeah. try ska, you'll try <laughs> doom, you'll try whatever, and then all of a sudden you do something, you're like, oh, wait, that was kind of, what was that? And that was kind of cool. And it's neat when it kind of like resonates within the group, you know? I remember we went down, we needed some more songs, and we were really super honored. We got to record with Matt Anderson uh, from Gravity Records and, and Heroin, and at, so we recorded at Banker uh, Banker's Hill. His, his and we weren't. I don't even know. Session. We got to. We we were honored to do it, but I don't know why we were even doing it, right? Because weren't we gonna? We were basically re-recording the same songs, essentially, right? Was there one or two new ones? I think we did a different version of Journeyman. We did right? one with German but, but, with you singing and me playing guitar. That's right. right? That's right. <laughs> but, but but we also know we needed something for a comp. Yeah, but it was so, also we were just like, oh my god, let's do this. Yeah, but you deliberately reached and, out to him because of his association. Oh, with, abso- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Oh so yeah, we yeah. loved heroin. Yeah, heroin at the time, and that whole scene was very important to me, and which is, I think was also an interesting. Uh, side note of the sort of like the pop punk or like classic punk versus new music versus hardcore is that there was that context of heroin the san diego sound yeah econo christ and john henry west and that sort of thing there was that yeah it was not the not popular it wasn't a scene but there was little groups of that stuff right uh uniting south and north yeah but um yeah it was a strange thing The, the one thing i want to bring up about just that era, like right before we started recording, is I think it was the hardest any of us had worked at anything. Because sure. do you remember those marathon fucking uh, practice sessions? Yeah. Like where we'd move 
we pra we practiced at my ha my parents' house a couple times where we would literally move all the furniture out of my bedroom so five guys could fit in yeah. a ten by ten room to rehearse for four hours, make the neighbors mad, and then Super put everything bad, back together. Yeah. Wow. And then I remember I think the Porsche Pass name came up when we had been rehearsing at Jonah's, Jonah's parents, parents yeah. which no, is an hour in the other direction with taking all the equipment and filling their living room. No, it's super it magical. Absurd. We're like in the redwoods, and it yeah. was raining outside, and we thought it might snow at some point, which it never does here. And we're up on top of this mountain in, like near Neil Young's ranch, like this like <laughs> super epic spot. And it was just like uh, we loved rehearsing up there whenever we got to. That's and another example of parents being super supportive. Yeah, well, and, then, yeah. and then take the house over. Our drummer Aaron moved to Fairfield, and Rex was staying out there a lot. So then yeah. we, you know, we were rehearsing in Fairfield, which is an hour and a half from Half Moon Bay. I think that was when, yeah, I was in college at the time. So again, we're talking hours and hours of driving for some people to rehearse in someone's bedroom, and right. we're doing every single weekend. You know what I mean? It was. I, I looking back at it, I just think it's crazy that we had that work ethic. Not that necessarily what we were producing was amazing or we were musicians yet but we were at least going really hard at it we, it was trying and which is maybe the fact that we were drug free at the time like we weren't yeah no one was no one was half drunk from the night before we yep. were you know we were all 18 19 and straight edge at the time which allowed us to be yeah allowed us to be have some sort of work ethic <laughs> and to be you know, at least in that sp in that moment in that headspace well and it, and it seems like that Everything is a result of the environment that you guys came up in. It seems that once you guys were were grouped together, I mean, you were friends first, but then it's almost like you 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 banded together out of how do I articulate it? Just like you guys kind of observing all these things happening around you that just weren't aligning with how you wanted to be or what you wanted to participate in. So therefore, you you started this band because you were influenced by bands like Heroin or, 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 or Drive Like Jehu or, or any of these other bands who you saw the way they did it and how you can almost like identify that they were outcasts in their own way and how and what they were creating and how they were presenting their We knew the music. effect they had on us and the idea that we could express ourselves and maybe someone else could relate to what we were doing in the same way that we related to those bands was like the dream you know yeah. like oh wow maybe we could like play a show sometime and and people could feel what we're feeling and they might even feel a little yeah. bit like we did when we saw for those sure. I mean, or something yeah I, yeah i think it's it's odd because again at least for me and i think a lot of us we weren't listening to the radio we stopped watching mtv or we didn't have access to mtv so yeah. there wasn't like Kurt Cobain's really rad, or I want to be on stage like ACDC, but right, I'm going to do right. a low kind of a low end punk version of that. It yeah. was like out the gate. Yeah, we were. I mean, not that we weren't into some bigger bands, but we never saw Metallica. Right. You know, we. No. It was like immediately like, oh shit, this heroin playing to six people in a in a in someone's well, front room in Oakland. That's what we wanted yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> like and, we and wanted. Yeah. To. And, and and to 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 emphasize your point about the work ethic. I think that's just a result of there being a hyper focus because again like you, it, you paint such a perfect picture like you know driving an hour plus to Jonah's house Jonah's parents house in the redwoods or driving an hour the opposite direction to someone else's parents house and clearing the space in the little room and then playing for 4 hours and getting shocked because we're all plugged into one outlet yeah, it's just exactly <laughs> like thank god there wasn't a fire but like but but you know but it really, it really shows that you guys banded together as friends and found this, this common ground in creativity 
and it really I have to say like I, I I could really sense that in the music not even having known the context where the music was made and this is not necessarily a bad thing but there's a feeling of isolation or a, a feeling of of and I'm talking about the LP in particular this this that that era of the band it gives this sense of it being on its own plane or in its own space yeah. and not being um, influenced by anything that it, it didn't want to be influenced by. Like everything seemed or sounded like it was all in the right place. Yeah. I mean, it felt like that a bit at the time, honestly. I yeah. mean, that's awesome that, that you get that from it. Cause like, that's literally oh, I keep going. That's <laughs> literally what it was like before we went on tour and we wrote, when we wrote the songs for the album, it was like, and we recorded before tour, right? Uh, no, I thought we recorded right after oh, tour. Oh, right after. Yeah, no, no, yeah. right and after the tour. the album so didn't even come out until after... We basically wrote a year after. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. were touring without the record. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, we were just <laughs> out there. There was no record cycle. No, we no didn't. We, totally we had a split seven. To be a we did the same shit. Well, sorry, yeah. continuing. So, yeah, like, sure. but, like, before, when we were writing those songs, like, um, Rob was at college in Berkeley and, and uh, Jonah and Jeremy were at college in, in, in uh, Santa Cruz and I was literally most of the time semi-homeless like staying on their couches or whatever playing guitar all day. playing guitar all day so I, yeah. I was so lucky I mean I was totally broke I mean whatever but like I was so lucky where I had this freedom and privilege to just play you know and yeah. be as creative as I, as I wanted so even though we were having bands come through especially in Santa Cruz like I remember you know we had Unwound, the makeup, like all these great yeah. bands playing in our basement, you know, Antioch Arrow, like all this awesome stuff was happening. First Locust tour. Yeah, all these, you know, uh, Swing Kids or whatever, like yeah. all these, yeah. all these bands were playing in in, in Santa Cruz, Cruz and we were helping put the shows on. But like, nice. so we you know, I'm not saying we weren't influenced by any of that stuff because we totally were, but also a lot of it was just, you know, I I would just tweak out on like my amplifier and my guitar, just sit there and play and get, you know, whatever. Yeah whatever ended up becoming like our kind of our sound and we were still tuned down from doing the the heavier music but then we're kind of i was basically playing through a fender twin like a fender quad with the same thing you know and not like a bunch of pedals or anything so it's just the amp turned up really loud with a yeah. reverb on it and you know no one was doing that really I, I mean i didn't think i mean unwound kind of did something sort of a little bit like that but not but you know and it was just like we kind of i remember we started playing some shows in santa cruz and that's when and when we started having that newer stuff, I remember playing at Bixby House at Jonah's and realizing, like, oh, wait, we do have kind of our thing, which was, yeah, like, yeah. not as, I guess, now, it, well, I don't know if you call it twee, but, like, bands that were more influenced by the softer kind of stuff and more indie rock stuff, we, yeah. we saw this, like, aggressive, heavy, but not, but very inward-looking aesthetic where it was, like, we're super extreme in a almost like a skater way. Like we're gonna do the biggest gap. We're gonna be the do the biggest thing. We're gonna be the loudest, most extreme. Right, right. But in this weird, mysterious way that was like it wasn't heavy, you know, and it wasn't tight like Drive Like Jehu, even though like we love them, and it wasn't as sludgy as Unwound or some some of the, you know some of the other bands. Yeah. Like, but it was you know we were trying to do like fit in our own weird thing. And I remember we playing a show and realizing like oh like this is, we kind of sort of hooked into something here, you know? And I think it's uh, funny how the influences 
remain, but they're totally tweaked. Like we're, yeah. you're tuned down because we were listening to grindcore yeah. and doom music for like three weeks. And then we maintain that even though there's no heavy distortion going on right. anymore. And I think yeah. we were all really uh, speaking for myself. I always wanted to Gibson SG literally because that's what Ian played at Fugazi. And yeah. so a lot of us ended up with SGs, but we did not have a Fugazi tone at all, right. especially you. We're not playing through a JCM or a JMP, and we're a lot cleaner. So it's like we take these weird influences for whatever reason that basically the influences are in some ways out of date. You know, they're yeah. 18 months ago influences, but we somehow built yeah. them into our arsenal. Well, I mean, I thought I was singing like Guy from Rites hmm. of Spring. Right. Does not <laughs> sound like that yeah. at all. I mean, that's my own bag, but I mean, you know what I mean? They're, they're, what the influences originally started out as they came out to they, yeah. they came out very so different. different. So to answer your question about like the, the regional aspect of of different versions of, of punk or hardcore, like I think I think for us too us as a band, because um, we started it in 97, and in a similar way, you know, we we kind of observed our surroundings, and they were really like, there was a lot to our surroundings that we just weren't vibing with, and I think that that sort of compelled us to look more inward and to also kind of step down from it all in a way. We, we got kind of quiet within the scene. We kind of like went behind closed doors, quote unquote, and and started figuring out our own position within yeah. it, within it all and um so jeff uh who plays bass and sings in, in our band uh there was a local record store within the the, the tune-in which is kind of like equivalent to Gil gilman but there's a little distro and jeff would buy a lot of the first records that we discovered from that shop and then he and i would just kind of you know hole up in his room and put records on him and just yeah. listen listen for hours yeah and um that's where we started seeing things like like we would like you know get a, a swing kids record and then like look at oh, where are these guys from I'm like oh san diego and then we would discover you know an, another san diego band um you know like like unbroken or something or, <laughs> or like you know these 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 west coast hardcore bands and we would start to see sort of where they were all coming from and, and you mentioned k records earlier and like like bands like unwound and all that it's like you kind of you you associate them with like oh pacific northwest and and you kind of start making note of the different sounds mm -hmm. or like, like yeah. you can kind of identify a sound based on sort of where these bands are from we we gravitated towards uh, I mean, we loved Unwound too. I mean, New Plastic Ideas for us was like one of the tapes that we basically wore out yeah, because yeah, we were just so hooked on, on, I mean, the way we processed that band at the time was like, wow, this is a band who's doing something completely different from ah, all the shit that totally. we were exposed mm -hmm. to on the East Coast, in particular New England. New England was a really weird place to grow up as like, you know, a kid who, I, I mean, I grew up in the hardcore scene. I started going to shows when I was like 15 or 16, but the types of bands that I I was initially exposed to were very much like, you know, Youth Crew and Straight Edge and like Metalcore and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And it, I mean, granted, like I gravitated towards those bands because it was sort of what I had access to at the time. But then and similar to like you guys coming across Heroin or, or Antioch or, or 
whoever drive like Jehu, like like we came across bands like like I remember specifically I you know there was one show I think 400 years came through town and and that was one of the the, the live shows that just stopped me in my tracks where I was like whoa these guys are doing something completely different that really resonated with me. You know, it's like hardcore in general and the concept of underground music resonated with me, but I think it wasn't until Jeff and I started discovering music through buying particular records, but then we started taking notice that these types of bands were coming through yeah. Connecticut. And yeah. this was a, this was the late 90s and that kind of blew our world open in terms of what we felt we could do as a band. Yeah. We felt at that point, okay, like we don't need to play these these like we don't need to have we don't need to play a certain style of hardcore to be a hardcore band. Yeah. You right. know, we don't need to sound like fucking Snapcase or Earth sure. Crisis, you know? And we totally just just pivoted hard and went our own went down our own path similar to what you guys did and found ourselves becoming isolated from the scene when we did that. And oh it, yeah. It, it was yeah, it was absolutely. It, it was weird to process at first because we did feel like we were, um, I don't know, people didn't understand what it was that we were doing and they kind of just dismissed it from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, that's the same with us. I mean, we yeah. essentially had no fans or following at the time, yeah. especially local, other than our friends, yeah, extended locally, friends, yeah. but uh, especially early on. And yeah, uh, yeah because we didn't Same. fit into the Gilman context, even mm -hmm. though we wanted to play there, play around there. The other thing I think was important is that we were younger yeah. than, we were younger Same. than the bands that were more akin to us that we liked, but we weren't friends with them because they were three to four years, five years older. And so I think we, it's, it's almost like a commuter scenario. We go to see those shows and it wasn't really, our, even we'd see amazing bands and some of them were stuff we'd be into. We were never really, in the scene so much, I yeah. don't think. We were definitely not. Yeah. We didn't have like the Porsche Pass Posse at Gilman or right. anything like that. I right. think that was more in the Santa Cruz world where we fit in a little bit more, at least mindset-wise, but not musically. But, I, you know, I, it always felt like we were sort of against the world at that yeah. time or the world was against us, it, you know. And, and maybe justifiably. I don't know if we were putting on very good no. shows at the time either. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And I certainly wasn't a very outgoing but it person. Was a, it was <laughs> you know? a little bit of a disappointment at first, being like, I don't know if we're going to affect that feeling that we had gotten from seeing some of the bands that we'd seen live on anybody. But no one ever tells you, so you never know. Right. And and we didn't know our recording the demo. Like we, I hated that. I thought that it was terrible. I was kind of embarrassed of our demo. I thought it sucked. Yeah. And I didn't like the seven, the split seven inch we did. And you know, and I the Blade guys were super sweet, and it was mm -hmm. awesome hanging out with them. But I didn't yeah. necessarily relate to what they were doing musically. I'm not, you know, I'm, and not to be controversial, I, just, I wasn't really that into it. I wasn't almost into anything that we were hearing live at shows anymore. Pretty disillusioned. And I remember, uh, this is a weird thing, actually. I remember riding in a car with Vern from Unwound, was in town, was in Santa Cruz. Nice. Uh, they had played a show or something, and I got a ride. I, I was in a car, and he was talking with this girl who was driving us. He, he was talking about, how all he'd been listening to was Led Zeppelin 4 or something like that. And it was really weird the way he was talking about it. I'm like, 
he's listening to Led Zeppelin. Like, what does that mean? And it just oh, yeah. kind of like... <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to process that. Either. It, no, it no. kind of messed so me up. I was so anti-anything like classic rock or Sure. We were so but then, bad. and then I remember talking to Sarah Lund about, because I was super crushed out on it, dorking out, like, oh my God, like, you're the coolest drummer ever. Yeah, best drummer ever. And she's just seen. like... Yeah. And she's like, you know, was entertaining and thought it was kind of funny. I was just some kid, you know, but like, <laughs> but it's also, she's like, yeah, oh, you mean the song that sounds like Led Zeppelin meets helmet and blah 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 and she's talking about the rolling stones and all, and all the stuff and it was just like oh it's okay like it's okay that yeah that i don't really relate to any of the music i'm hearing for the most part live you know or any of the bands and then this is also when the split was starting to happen with between the hardcore and punk communities and yeah. kent was starting heart attack or whatever and all that stuff like we were so far removed and and as soon as we realized like oh we're gonna rebel from our scene or whatever yeah. that we're supposed to be part of that was super liberating and then we went on tour right after that and then so right before that tour we had already started to branch out mm-hmm. and it was for us it was the beginning of the end of the yeah it's the beginning of the end of the band ultimately but in the beginning of the end of like that community that whole thing we we're kind of like oh wait a second like it's okay that we don't dig this stuff really Mm -hmm. you know and it was sort of a painful process really you know going on tour you know we worked really hard on those songs before we did and and Matthew uh, Grimace had joined the band on drums and Jeremy had joined on bass and and that's when we really got our what I think of as our sound or whatever that was unique you know and uh, we were so tight as a gang but we also could tell by the tapes we were listening to in the in the in the cars because we had a car and a van on the tour, and it was like Three Mile Pilot was like mm-hmm. as hardcore as it got. Maybe yeah. maybe Drive Like Jehu, maybe and maybe yeah. Unwound, but like at that point we're listening to The Cure, David Bowie, and then we're listening to like some local hip hop that had just kind of come out recently, yeah. like because it, 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 it was fun unless you we know? were driving a really long time and then I would listen to and then, Rain and Blood yeah yeah and then Rob <laughs> would listen to something yeah but like but like you know it was definitely like and then we'd get to a show and we didn't know we had a little bit of a taste of like different scenes but you know you get to some place that's like really punk and you're yeah. like and for us it was like oh this is super punk and that was a pejorative it was like that mm-hmm. was like stuck in the past you know right and no one, no one has Caesar cuts, and is is no everyone got like punk haircuts, and yeah. you know, and that's kind of done. That's surface, but it wasn't. It was deeper than that. It was like, yeah. this was this these if Tessa felt like these this community is just kind of going through the motions and doing the same old like yeah. punk stuff, and we we were like playing, and you know, or like s- some other bands were just kind of maybe getting into the, I don't know what they call it, screamo. We didn't really have names. We just called it hardcore, but yeah. they're getting into same. our kind of hardcore, and. White belts and white belt scene or whatever, you know. But like, San Diego, baby. we were kind of like, uh, but like uh, that was like new and kind of cutting edge or whatever. And so like, it was just really weird. Like, it just further pushed that point home that you're not. You thought you were part of this thing, and, and the community was amazing. And, and, and honestly, like Gilman and, and Epicenter, like we're blessed for that. And on and another thing I wanted to throw in there was. This, the straight edge and the channel punk on IRC internet, oh, yeah, internet yeah. relay chat yeah. this before the World Wide oh, Web and yeah, so yeah. it's like yeah. IRC was how we would communicate yeah. mm-hmm. that and phone dialers we had these <coughs> Radio Shock phone dialers uh, where you could make free calls on on payphones yeah, that we built yeah, yeah. 
so anyways, you know, we, we used the community and I, I hope, feel like we gave back. Sure. But yeah. like, I hope we did, but like, we just used it in a way. And then we were leapfrogging past that, like into oblivion. Yeah. Like no one came to see us. I and mean, locally, the last Gilman, we laughed because we did the reunion thing and we'll get to that in a sec, but in, in yeah. a bit, but like our last Gilman show before that, there was like 30 people there and they were kind of bummed on us. And we had like probably four or five people that really dug it, but like, yeah. and our friends that dug what we're doing. Yeah. But like, and Kent didn't dig it. I mean, you know, yeah. God bless Kent. He's done amazing things for music, yeah. but he was I mean, not supportive of our band. Yeah. I didn't, Honestly, every time I talked to him, I'd be super depressed because he didn't like us. He's like, I don't really get what you guys are doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like he thought Bleed was going to be the biggest band ever. And he's like, you're so lucky to be on a split with them. I'm like, I don't really want to do a split record. You know, <laughs> yeah. I want to do our own thing. Yeah. And he's just like, they're going to be the huge thing. No one really gets what you guys are doing, you know. And but, it's like, I mean. You know, and I'm a, like, what's, you know. But you know what's fucking wild, wild is like, you know? it's like. And he threw away all of our record covers because our record was selling. Totally right. Yeah. But I mean, we did release it a year after we broke No, up. no, I'm not saying it's his yeah, fault. Yeah. No, I'm just no. saying or he was wrong and we were right. Yeah. We were. There was like a miss. There was a miss. Left field. You know? We were in yeah. left well, field. I we think, didn't know but, what we yeah. were doing. I think know? this is what what we gravitated so strongly to. Um, you know, Jeff and I, Nick, I mean, our, our band, whatever, whatever the reason was, we put on the LP and we just I, we just we just understood it so instantaneously yeah and we weren't listening to anything like that at the time and yeah we just we just and and you know you mentioned uh, earlier in the conversation about like how this this style of music and I know we keep talking about heroin but like yeah uh, but in terms of like like the the sort of like the mystery around super that mystery of, that yeah. type of music like for us like 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 the LP was that mystery yeah. where, where we had no idea who you guys were, where you, I, we saw that you were, that the LP was put out on abolition. I mean, even at the time we didn't really know that much about abolition. Uh, we knew about some of the records. We were familiar with the bleed split, but I think maybe that was until after we, we, I, the, our first discovery of your band was the LP. But even back then, I think it was around 98 when we, when we, found out about you guys we just we just understood it because i think even even if it was just like listening to the band not even knowing your context we just it resonated with us and made us feel like oh like there's a band out there too even though you had broken up at that point and i don't think we even knew it we're like are, are these guys <laughs> together like who where who are they where are they from like it would have been amazing if we'd been able to tour later i mean it would have been insane but like um, Especially when it really blew up a couple of years after that, but yeah, and and I think for us, we we almost felt like we had you guys in our pockets because we feel like the people that we were brushing elbows with didn't really know about you at the time, and we just got lucky and happened to stumble upon that record, and so, um, you know, I I don't know where I was going with that, and I, it's just. Yeah, just kind of drawing a blank because I'm actually like acknowledging the fact that the LP that you guys made, again, you you kind of you're you, you're giving the listeners context and how like what led you to making that LP, and yeah, I actually don't know like where to go. With, well, no, it's that. kind of. Like, I mean, I th I know what you're saying. It's like when you it's it's just birds of a feather, right? It's like when you hear that thing. Before you hear it, you would never be able to say what it is. And even after yeah. the fact, you might not. Exactly. But you know when you hear it, and it's not an intentional 
thing that someone can manufacture where, you know, when something resonates with you and it doesn't mean it's good or bad. Right. I mean, it could be terrible. It's not even about that. It's just like yeah. when something resonates, you're like, oh, like, there we go. There it is. And yeah. it's cool that music and I mean, all lots of art can do that. But when it does, it's like, oh, wow. Like in mean, a movie or a book, like the last picture exactly. show, when I saw that movie, you know, and then read the book, both of them, it's just was like, oh, that's my life. Like, you know, it, it yeah. resonated in this crazy way, but like, or it could be whatever, or records or that Metallica song I heard yeah, or, exactly. you know, um, in, that was always our dream was like, oh, well maybe like we can add to that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and but it was weird. So it was bleak at the time we did the tour and the tour really no, sucked. But no, it was, sucked. was it but one tour that you, you did one U.S. tour? That's it, yeah. And, so and that's that's where, that, so the, the ABC No Rio video yeah. just surfaced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's funny because I certainly have a lot of negative uh, feelings about that tour and what yeah. happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. But thinking back, especially thinking seeing that, that show recently coming out on YouTube and people being stoked on it, us getting a little coverage on it, there were some cool things. What was the dang, what was the Canadian band we did a ton of, Shows Shotmaker. Shotmaker, which was... So you played a, you played a We played a bunch with them, with them right? Yeah. They're, 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 a handful. They're, they're but we weren't, we weren't booked with them, but we did play with a couple good bands. Yeah. We met... We made some good friends, like some of the DC kids. Like, it wasn't all bad, but... Oh, yeah. But uh, it, was an, it was an amazing experience, obviously. But, like, I booked it. I booked it from yeah. an MRR zine called Book Your Own Fucking Life. And yeah. because we yeah. knew a few and people using on the phone, And using the phone dialers and, on pay phones. And yeah. it was just... Because long distance was expensive. Looking back... Of course, it was a bad tour. Like we were tour, you know what no. I mean? I mean, not. It wasn't. It was not the audience's fault. Like it was yeah. like we were not picking the bills. We weren't necessarily playing the right rooms. We, I, I certainly. I, other people were probably better rehearsed than us. Let's say. So but, but, it's it's odd that. It, but it's also great to see that at least some of those shows got recorded. Some people can see them. Mm-hmm. We played with a few cool bands that yeah. were. That was awesome, and you know we made we made it back alive, which I think <laughs> was nice. Yeah. We didn't make it. We, we made it back alive. We didn't make yeah. it to the Pacific Northwest because yeah. someone forgot to book that corner of the country. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think I think just the fact that you booked the tour and you got in a van and a car and you you drove across the country and you came across uh, bands that 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 you know. I mean, Shotmaker is another favorite of mine. So I think it's amazing to learn that you guys. I mean, it makes sense that you played with Shotmaker. I think. I mean, even though yeah, there was like one a of the deliberate bands that kind of made sense when we played them. I mean, yeah. I would. It was also who was on yeah. tour. It was just the yeah, same thing. It was exactly. just who, who's who's on tour yeah, that yes. July it's, it's like ninety-five. Like bottle, it was like, you know, it's uh, yeah. the, the the components of the whole is just it just it just was what it was. There yeah. was no real like okay, we're gonna do this this and this to get to here. It's like you guys just. You were just kind of going forward, and and things kind of just happened the way they happened. And but yeah, like I think it's great that that video surfaced of ABC No Rio. How did how did it feel to to watch that? I only watched some of it because I don't like watching us, and I sort of remember that my performance not being very well, very good. But and I it was also a tough weekend like that was back in the day where you played in the basement in abc I don't know yeah if you've been to abc i'm sure oh we, yeah you we played in the basement then you didn't yeah, play on I, the I didn't, gravel we floor didn't, we didn't like yeah. the basement but yeah we played there a couple times so you had to throw our amps down yeah that is a wood, down a, a basement wood board that you slid down the amp remember we had a 415 acoustic cabinet yeah it's a really cool bass cabinet and uh with a matching head it was super cool rig but we anyways we slid all the amps down this uh this 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 board to get them down on the gravel floor and that the, the, the uh, it was really hot 
And yeah, we'd never experienced East Coast summer, so and we were in a van with no air conditioning, yeah. and it was like it was intense. I mean, it was cool. I mean, but I remember we had done a radio gig, and we hadn't, we had no place to stay, so we made we, we basically like forced ourselves on the, on the that's the, right the DJ yeah. who 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 recorded us live at whatever it was yeah. at NYU. Yeah. Like we have no place to stay, so we like her whole apartment was like smaller than this room. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, we were kids, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing, but it was it was rigorous, you know. Yeah. And then yeah. and then there were squatter riots that evening where like like Tompkins Square was on fire. Like like this is serious I shit. I mean, it, was, it, it informed <laughs> who we for are. me like yeah. the rest of my life. Like it was like, "Oh, okay, this is what I do." Yeah. And so like I never stopped. Like it was in, there was no question that the next tour I'd be on tour the next summer I'd be on tour, you know, and the next summer after that I'd be on tour and the next summer it was just, oh, I'm just going to be, you know, And I was, I was and the opposite. I was like, I never want to do this again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did, I did, I did happily go on tour yeah. with Rex's later band as a roadie because I could get drink tickets and yeah. I, it was just my vacation and I right, could right. help load amps a little bit and that was fun. But I, for me, it was just like, well, I'm not made to perform. I don't love, I, I don't love the road life when I actually have responsibilities to yeah. perform. And I think you can see it wasn't just a, a, a yeah. it was part of the time, but I mean, we're all facing in when we play. And it was like, yeah, that you was kind of trendy at the time. We but didn't like, know that, but we did the same thing. Like, we, yeah. didn't, we didn't acknowledge the crowd, whether that was like, I mean, people misinterpreted that. Sure, but, absolutely. But when I saw the ABC Norio footage, because I, like, I know we had talked about it, but I, I actually didn't really compute that you had done that. I'm like, this is so fucking weird, because... Because it just uh, there's just these like weird similarities. I'm just like this is yeah really interesting. I to mean, see. for me, like, it was probably just about my social anxiety and that I wasn't ready well, to was, be doing I mean, it. it you same, know, it's it like, the same for us. I mean, it, well, yeah. also lots of times we'd play, and if I faced the crowd, there wouldn't be much of a crowd. So <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> I'd rather face my friends. Well, yeah, that's that's how we were. I mean, I mean, you know, <laughs> Jeff and Nick, we we just kind of formed a circle and. That's what it was, and yeah, I, yeah. I, and frankly, like I needed to see what the drummer was doing, and I needed to see what Rex yeah. was doing in order to actually yeah. <laughs> slightly be on time. But I mean, the tour was tour was rough, and and it sucked, and we ultimately broke up. But I think part of the reason the record is so good is because it was recorded at the right time, exact right time. If we had recorded it two months before or two months later, not to say I that, agree. not I agree, to say yeah. that you, not to say well, that your point of view as the maestro of no, a lot no, of no. it would have been worse. But it just, we got it as best as it could be done at the time. And, and we were we lucky we got it about it still. Yes. Yes. It, we, weren't o- we were over it in the sense that the tour thing, it wasn't because tour, I think the reason it was bleak wasn't because of any stuff like staying on floors or, of course. or not having food. And eating vegan was difficult back then, mm-hmm. you know, like getting Subway, like with like, dry we're all vegan at the time you know and it just was like not easy yeah and it was but it wasn't that that wasn't what was bleak it was just the the music itself in this scene was not exciting and it was like a bummer and like i remember playing i mean playing more than music it's so cool and all this and i hate complaining about it but just aesthetically being purely aesthetic like what i liked was not happening you know and even a lot of the bands we played with that are cool and that are similar sounding or what yeah you know i just didn't like it and 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 most of it we're kind of getting a little bit over all that stuff 
but not that we want to stop music. We just weren't we weren't inspired by it. Yeah. And it sort of sucks to play a bunch of shows and you're like, I'm not inspired by any of this stuff. Yeah. I don't like it. Me- I don't like the aesthetic. I don't like the way any of this, it, the fashion, the sound, right. the, any of it. I just was not. And, not and for me, I was really sour on the scene itself. It was yeah. like I still was inspired by bands that were happening. I, I I guess I participated in hardcore for probably another two years, maybe three years, yeah. till '98. But for me, like looking back at the lyrics, pre- preparing for this interview, I'm like this reads to me like a resignation letter from hardcore like er, almost every song i'm like so many of these songs are about people i knew from the scene who i couldn't deal with or Mm. the the intra-scene fights that i perceived and maybe wasn't super involved with but it's just like what we were trying to do as a group of friends express ourselves maybe create something cool maybe put on a show it seemed like the scene was against against us and against creativity and so I think we were all ready for it to be over with. And I was definitely over trying to do music, period, because I thought, you know, I don't think it was necessarily true, but I thought, like, I can't do this. Like, this is not. It this was is, so It went from being yeah. super fun and inspiring and yeah. we're building something together to being like, we're kind of fighting. But I guess it went from the world is against us and we're going to get it done anyway and yeah. do this because we want to do it to, like, why the fuck do I even want to try? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, which is which is depressing. I will say that, like, for me at least, when I got out of the band, at least go to shows and go back to, to enjoying music more as a fan and yeah, being super yeah. stoked when Unwind, Unwind comes to town or that sort of thing. But I think it was a bummer for all of us. And But I don't – I mean, still, it's kind of a necessary evolution, just like yeah. the influences cycling through yeah. every couple months, like that sort of like – it well, had it. We had our time. You well, know? What, what I'm gathering, um, and I was gonna, I was, I was gonna actually ask about that in terms of uh, the motivations behind uh, your lyrics, the motivations behind uh, the the songwriting as a whole. The the thread that I'm sort of gathering from from our conversation is is this position of of being the outcasts and sort of responding to the outside world around you, and it's. It's really nice to hear how you guys were, you know, this group of friends who who just decided to take matters in your own hands and right. create create your own world that had like a protective shell around it. And you know, we're talking about the tour aspect of it. We're talking about the struggles of of you know getting in a van and playing these you know hot ass basement shows to 10, 15 people and. Even back then, when you're doing that, it's just like, what? What are we doing? What is this all about? You know. But yeah. like, when you when you reflect on the timeline, and just as you were saying, how like the LP was made at the yeah. right time, it, it captured that that particular moment in time. Uh, you know, you just it's it's just one of those things. At least from an outside perspective, just like from what I'm hearing you guys talk about. It just, it just, it just was what it was, and yeah, it, and, it, yeah. it, and one one action led to the next, and and it's almost like this trail of, you know, a group of friends um, trying to like like figure out their way, oh, and it, and you just yeah. happen to make this music and uh, and this th- this you know the, the LP of course in particular like again the timing from when you guys made that but then. But then to go on tour before it even came out, and then like there was like sort of like this, it was like incongruent with um, sort of how you would typically you know quote unquote promote a record, oh, do yeah. a, you know all that yeah, stuff. There's like none of that. Yeah. We, there's we, no concept we, of that. We found ourselves in similar situations, and 
I think one, one difference between being younger at the time versus us being a little bit older now, it's like at the time it's almost like there wasn't like a master plan, right? No. It's almost like you were just figuring it out, figuring it out in real time. It's but that like, became the plan. That tour for yeah. me was just like, oh, okay, like this is what I do. And then the band too is like, this is what I do. These are my friends. This is my, and for me, it's like, this is my family. Like I'd had a little bit less of a, I mean, I'm super close with my parents and my family. Like they're like yeah. rad, but like they had split and like had their own issues and stuff. And, and, and they always said like, you're my, my mom, you know, called it my family or friends, you know? And it yeah. was like, oh, cool. Like, um, cause like I dropped out of high school, you know, but these guys were in college and like, mm-hmm. I just was kind of like, I just play the guitar and it was a way of not being a bum. It's like, well, I do something. I play guitar, you know, yeah, I still yeah. do. I literally haven't stopped, but like, it was like, okay, I, you know, we're going to do this and, and we're going to, for me, like that was, you know, that that's was what I was doing with my life. And that's what we, we were super serious. And we went in yeah. after the tour without any idea of what the band was going to do and started rehearsing to record the album, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And then we go, you know, to Stanford and, and we were really lucky to use the facility there for pretty cheap. And, um, which I think is part, I mean, you, 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 you could speak more to it, but I think that's part of why the record sounds the way it does. And it wasn't a hard, hardcore demo recording plant. <laughs> it was a place yeah. that w- yeah. it was a, it was a weird space with certain acoustics and, yeah, it was very natural. It was not uh But it wasn't a punk producer. All, no, it was yeah. almost not produced at all in yeah. the sense where all the gear was very clean and high five qu- high quality stuff. And we were so into all of the gear that we used and you know, our guitars and our amps and the speakers. I went and got new speakers before we recorded the album at Guitar Center and I was like, Oh, I'm gonna return them afterwards because they're really yeah. expensive. Yeah. yeah. Like oh well I have thirty days I can return them or whatever I didn't but <laughs> but um well because I had blown my speakers on the tour too there were, I had t- two blown speakers but anyways you know we took it super crazy serious all yeah. the way up to the end and so the yeah, album yeah, was yeah. like you know even the, like the whatever like the the weird like noises we made for in between the songs and, and yeah. the segues all that stuff when yeah. we we know we we're like sequencing the album after we recorded it like that was all like we were just like really tweaking out on every little thing. Um, yeah. uh, I will say I'm per- I like that recording a lot, except we were pretty bummed on the, re- on the snare cause it, we just had a top <laughs> mic and there was like no yeah. sh- shake from the snares and they had a really awesome lexicon, lexicon reverb thing. And we were trying to use this reverb to be able to get yeah. the snares to sound a little more shaky and mm-hmm. they just never did on that. But we, we, you know, we live with it, whatever, but we're a little bit bummed about that. But like, um, I remember we having really a, tweaked out. Yeah. Well, also yeah. we were Honestly. really well rehearsed. Yeah. You had a really strong aesthetic put or sound yeah. sonic point of view, or at least more developed than the rest of us. And I, I remember us having adequate time. That was yeah, the we thing. Had tons. Wow. because yeah. we were so well rehearsed. We weren't, we weren't doing like the, the classic rock thing of writing the songs in the, in the studio and noodling forever to yeah. th- put things together. Yeah. We were super rehearsed and we knew what we were going to do, but yeah. we had enough time to get, the performances in the studio, yeah, pretty and they, good. And they had a lot of really nice stuff there. Yeah. It wasn't crazy nice, but it was nice, very in a clean, nice in for a clean way. No, it was super level. nice. It's <laughs> great, my you know, really nice mics and and yeah. a couple of nice yeah. compressors and a few nice things that we got to use. And it 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 really we were just lucked out, you know. It's yeah. cool, and it, and it sounded like us. Like we, I feel like that 
really does captain if you want i hopefully i mean like you know usually it's just video camera stuff of us playing live or whatever i guess the the reunion stuff is sounds better yeah. but like but you know like it the album sounds a lot like that basically just sounds like a uh, it's playing live which it yeah. was it was yeah. recorded live but like except for the overdubbing the vocals but you know when you guys finish that record um and because you were you were you were, you were, ta- you were taking it so seriously and you you really put in the effort to to prepare for it I would imagine coming away from the completion of making that record, did it make you guys feel like like you you had like this like weapon in your pocket? Like 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 when when you finished a record and you you listened to it, were you just like holy shit? Like like yeah. Were, were, did how did you feel when it was all said and done? I didn't. I think yeah. we should have. I, I did. Been proud I, of it at the time. I think I, I, I was, so it, it didn't. I think really I was lucky. With you. I think I did. I felt like it made me cocky too cocky in a way where I'm like I can do anything and I remember it's the beginning of the next school year and even though I stopped school early I always think of things in like a school year kind yeah. of thing and it's like <laughs> being in the next school year I remember and kind of figuring out you know writing new working on new music and stuff after we'd done it but feeling like I can do anything we just made this rad album and I remember Not Grimace me. felt feeling really? the same how did you feel? Felt really proud of it. I spent a year in depression, basically after that, with us breaking. Yeah, he took really a he took a year off school. Yeah. I took a year off school because of how well, not just because of the tour, but um, just because I didn't know what the hell I was doing in school and didn't know if I wanted to be in school. So I took a, a year a year off school or a year off school, hung in Santa Cruz with my girlfriend, a couple friends. You know, I was sort of out of the crew for a while there, just because. But I, I wouldn't say that's because of what anyone did, other than my own headspace at the time. That, that's really interesting, though, to 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 learn that you know, on one end, there is like a sense of accomplishment and empowerment. Yeah. And then on the on the flip side, uh, it almost like left you feeling vulnerable and and put, yeah, put but you it in was a particular headspace that yeah was like the exact opposite. I yeah, but it was I think partly just aging or just forming an identity and like being i'm in the punk i'm in the hardcore i'm just something else like i like tour i don't like tour is more just i mean we were really fucking young at the time i mean it was we were 19 right you know and maybe some people are adults at that time i don't know if i was you know <laughs> yeah. it was uh i mean it was a rough patch but it was cool and it's it's amazing to look back on it i think you know i think we all or i at least should be more proud of it but uh yeah. if there's still a lot of distance for me just again i think not just because of what happened within the band, but just because we didn't get any gratification from the community at the time. Right. And I, and I fully take that mostly onto ourselves. Cause I mean, we, we toured at the wrong time. We weren't in a scene. I certainly wasn't great at making friends. So I'm not sure. I don't know if we were owed anything, but um, I just felt like, why did we do this? And it felt <laughs> weird too. Cause it, it took so long just to do the art. The art was excruciating. And really. I and remember album, just being like, what? this is the really weird thing was like, <laughs> we took the photos for the insert. Yeah. I'd already done a whole U.S. tour with another band and that band had broken up and had just started a third band with, oh, with yeah, the, Jeremy and the Jonah. Photos, the photos like right after the first talk, time we were, our band you, called The Audience. The photos are from people called DOS Audience, but the photo was taken. I mean, I'd already was on a, uh, had done another band in between and it was right after we had played a show with one of our bands yeah. and, our, and our friend took a picture of us because we needed funny. a photo for yeah. the answer. I remember record, it was right? awkward when we and took that photo because I, we hadn't been hanging out as much or I hadn't I been, hang, I'll say I wasn't hanging out with you guys as much, I'll say. And I remember being like, whoa, we're taking a portion of the past photo? Like, 
my hair's different. My hair didn't look like this in Force of Past. Yeah. Like I had like black dyed hair, yeah. kind of like this or a little more sure. bowl cut. And I had, a, it was just like such a strange document because I think yeah. the record well, was recorded with an amazing documentation. And then the insert is like from a year and a half later. <laughs> yeah. I remember odd. printing them up because I printed them on the printing, <laughs> um, my printing, printing press at, at work and printing up the inserts and, and just being and like, you must have been like, whoa, this is not my scene anymore. <laughs> I just didn't. I was just it was just to me, it felt like, God, this took so was, it, when you're that young too, time is is so much less compressed, right, you know, right. so like the idea of something a year and a half is like centuries. Yeah, we've gone through three more music evolutions. Right. Each, yeah. Each by then. <laughs> and it was it was so so weird. And then when the album came out and Kent was like, oh, it's not really, you know, doing anything and, you know, whatever. And it's like, oh, I wasted money. I don't know. It's just negative kind of you know, stuff. But, but it know. wasn't just us. It was like everything was changed. Like heroin was long gone by then. Drive, oh, like yeah. Joe, Drive Like Jay, who was about to break up after right. doing their major label release. I everything mean, was happening so yeah. quick. Yeah, everything kind of got accelerated. It was just like, for me, it was just like, I'm not thinking about this for quite yeah. a while. Like, I'd rather watch the VSS than think about <laughs> sure, yeah, than yeah. think about the Ports of Past tour from two years I mean, ago. Like, <laughs> you know, it's funny that you touch on that insert because I I remember you know discovering the packaging, and but so you had the you had the original press. You had yeah. That one. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and I I remember that 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 photograph and how it's funny because I wasn't like this is so strange, but it was more like, Oh, these guys are like cool and fucking weird. Like this is, this is you know, like, because, yeah. because I think uh, the back of the LP has a live shot, right? Yes. Uh, I, from I, uh, Sean Scallon from Ontario. Yeah. yeah. And I, I remember like you guys actually looked a lot. You, well, I don't know a lot, younger, but you seem, you looked younger in the live photo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From what I remember. But then I, the insert, like it was like, it was, yeah. just, I was obviously just a, di- a different vibe, but like it just seemed, it just, yeah, had a different feel, but it just kind of added to the weirdness of it, where it's like, who are these guys? <laughs> yeah, it was so pretty weird. It I mean, it's kind of, weird. it's. It, I mean, telling, retelling those stories of that, I had forgot that. Yeah. I, I haven't looked at the insert in years. Yeah, yeah. Um, since we did the discography, but it, it's kind of amazing just the story within the art itself. Well, For, I remember us agonizing over the damn cover art yeah. with that graphic designer yeah. on university. Yeah, yeah. And like you fighting for that crazy color that we can't yeah. describe. And us kind of like burgundy, blood, purpley, red. Well, it's actually a metallic, like on the, on the, yeah. yeah, And it's like a a special mix. I think the cover art, Pantone, it's actually, I think the cover art's amazing, but it didn't look like the sound, or I don't know, maybe it did. I mean, but it's it's weird because it's a strange twist. When you guys like are the ones who are making the whole thing, of course, like you you kind of pick apart all all these elements, but once it's all said and done and out there, sure, you know, the, the people who discover the record as it is, it you it's just received the way it's yeah. received, and it's such an interesting thing. How yeah. like you I know learned that years later, yeah. like hearing yeah. about it from some of the younger kids from town, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the one thing I can say that I feel like we did, we're super lucky to do is we gave back to like our community where there are, uh, there was a vibrant hardcore scene in our little town, mm-hmm. which was just no way because of us because after we left yeah and the restaurants even had stuff that would say like 100 percent vegetarian no milk and cheese because they're so tired of having to get that question answered Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or asked all the time by everyone's younger brothers or like yeah you know because like this all the younger kids cool super cool after the fact but i also feel a little guilty because we weren't there actively supporting those guys at that time we weren't against it but we had just all got the fuck out which is really part well not just that but I, i mean i'll get back to i mean 
Halfway Bay, there's a lot of negativity there. And I think mm. we're all still here and yeah. doing well because we got the fuck out for a while. Like, yeah. We had to leave. Yeah. Um, and maybe leaving is 45 minutes away, but we were not in Half Moon Bay we, anymore. We, we, we felt that way about Connecticut. Yeah. You know, that, that inclination is just to get the fuck out. Yeah. Um, real, real quick before we, we move on, I, I did just want to say, like, to all of this, you know, the, 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 the challenges and, 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 you know, hurdles that you guys faced doing this whole thing, uh, timing has a lot to do with it, right? And I simply think that, you know, I just, I just, I, I'm, I just want to say that I just don't think people were ready for it. I think that the the challenges of of being a younger band and not feeling supported, but making you hyper focused as a result of that, and just trying to do it in the best version possible. Yeah, it's just it, this sounds like it's just like one of those things that it, it was a thing that yeah. happened during a particular time in the midst of all these other things, and. I think people just didn't it, it for some reason like like uh, there were there were enough things that were misaligned that just made it incredibly difficult for you guys yeah. to to, yeah. to to give it um well you guys gave it your all but in terms of how it was received I just think like you know I can't help but draw parallels to our challenges as a younger band trying to break through all the bullshit and to you know create something that was very much our own yeah and like the challenges that come with it you know uh, i think we're lucky in a way because if it had been popular like we were all kind of like rob said like the entire record is like like a, a goodbye letter in a, in a way yeah. to what we thought of as a scene or our weird perverse our, isolated yeah idealized version of what like hardcore and straight edge and emo and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whatever all this stuff was kind of like you know, it's like a love letter and a goodbye letter kind of in a weird way. Would you call yeah, the LP it, you know, that? Like, would you? Is I it, don't know. Maybe just... that's like a little extreme. But, you know, it's like it, there was an element of that in there. Yeah. And if yeah. it would have been kind of a bummer if, like, it had gotten recognition and we were like. I don't think we because we wouldn't have done it. Like, not we were only too, I wouldn't like, have, but you wouldn't have. I mean, yeah. you, you guys wanted to, you wanted to evolve yourself. Like, yeah, two years later, sure. we wouldn't have wanted to play those songs, I don't think. Even if we had no. been yeah. super loved at the time. Though we were out of the context, all the scenes were changing very t very quickly at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think we were there at a certain moment where punk and hardcore emo stuff was all kind of mashed together. And then right. mm -hmm. a couple of years later, yeah. all that stuff split super crazy. Yeah. And which if we had pursued that sound even further, I think maybe we would have been more respected. But... I think we would have evolved past it, you know. I mean, you guys, or you, we were like, evolved yeah. Past it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, it's 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 easier now. Like it's easier doing the reunion stuff, going back and writing new stuff, than it would have been to write new portions oh, of past songs at the time. But, I mean, I didn't, right? even I, yeah, I didn't even yeah. want to hear it. I didn't even want to hear it until the reunion, and I didn't want to do the reunion because I didn't want to hear it and have to rehearse <laughs> it, and didn't listen to that kind of music at all for quite a while. And but then it was rad to come back with yeah. some distance. is a perfect segue to a decade plus later i mean we're talking almost like i don't know what was it it was 2000 yeah 2008 so 13 years later 
this idea of a reunion came about, the landscape was different, wasn't it? I was at both shows. I, I, I went to Death by Audio in Brooklyn. I went to the Cake Shop show in uh, Lower East Side. I was nice there. Time. And um, I'm so glad I was in town for that because I was in a, a, a band as well at the time. And um, uh, I, was, I was traveling quite a bit in that, that, that you know, bet between 08 and 09, I was you know, on tour and stuff. Anyway, you fast forward 13 years later, you guys are doing these shows, two shows on the East Coast, two shows, I believe, right on the yeah. West Coast uh, at Gilman. Um, I have the flyer for that, actually. Uh, cool flyer. Yeah, yeah. I actually framed it. I, I, I remember you guys had it at Death by Audio. I'm like, oh, I'll take one of those. <laughs> but, um, but so what was it like for you guys to return to this band 13 years later? And, I mean, of course, for those who weren't there, it was, it was uh, for one, it was... It was Two of my most favorite punk rock shows, um, you know, I've ever been to because I think, at least from a showgoer and seeing a band that I hadn't seen but was very familiar with the music, it kind of embodied everything that I, w w you know, the idealized version of what like punk rock should be or like what a hardcore show should be. It happened to be uh, captured those two days in New York, yeah. but as the as the band. What was the mindset for it? How how did it come about, and 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 what was it like for you guys to return to it after thirteen years? We all took it super serious. We're just like that. We just take yeah. everything really serious, and it was really reverential. It was like I mean, I down to making sure you know the guitar strings were right, so we could tune down exactly right. Yeah, down to. Um, I mean, in New York, I, we couldn't, but like out here, we use the same, it's close to the same equipment pretty much yeah, as we yeah. could. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had the same guitar and guitar amplifier that yeah. I went on tour in 95 with. Did you guys make the record or the, the EP, the most recent EP, was that sort of its own thing or what, or was it like, okay, maybe we're going to play some shows, let's make it. The EP. way I remember it is we were going to do the discography, we yeah. found all the tapes and art as much as we could. I guess it was because you still had, a, you were... You were working with Davey a little bit still, mm -hmm. so we had we were gonna we had a way to like remaster the old tracks. We did the yeah. fucking find all the old tapes and yeah. the artwork as much as we could in our closets, dats and, <laughs> and dats, yeah. and converted it. And we went through all that process, and we we're gonna put it out. And I don't know why we decided to do shows. I mean, it took us so long to get the CD. Yeah, because Kent was like, I don't know if I want to do a CD. So, and we kept getting offers. Mm -hmm. Oh hey, we'll we'll do a CD. You should have a CD, you know. Yeah. And we're like, okay. I know it sounds it's super funny dated about it now, now. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. but like, I mean, it was kind of weird. A discography makes sense. I yeah. Mean, and now it, it would yeah. be whatever a three LP gatefold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. at the time, it was like get a CD. Yeah. Right. And it was just like, okay. And then Jonah talked to Kent a couple times. I talked to him. I think we're like, hey, we want to do this maybe CD with somebody. And he's like, no, I want to do it. We felt like, well, we owe it to him, you know, to like do it with him. And then time would go by, and, and Jonah and Jeremy and I were doing uh, our bands, and Grimace Matthew, uh, our you know drummer, he he had was doing you know Who Calls So Loud, doing all that. He's touring. We're all yeah. touring. We're yeah. like traveling, doing all, so. We're kind of hard. Portrait Pass is kind of, and it fell mm -hmm. out of our headspace. And then yeah. finally, I don't remember why, but Kent was like, "Hey, I'm ready to do the CD." I think like. I think that would be cool to do a CD discography. And we started doing that. And then I think we just thought it would be sort of 
fun to play some shows. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was mostly me being a bitch. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do this now, which is fun. I mean, we were already like, as if yeah. Rob said, like, hey, let's do it. Like, yeah. to us, I mean, not that we, when, once we pull the trigger, then we're super serious. Yeah, but right. before that, we're really lighthearted about it. And like, yeah. we're all playing music together anyways. And I think at that, maybe Grim, that's before Grimace was playing with, with, Bella Vista, but Grimace had been playing with Terman, and I think mm-hmm. Terman and I at that point already maybe, and like, or he definitely was, and so we already had like, we're all playing music together anyway, right. so to, the idea of getting together and jamming yeah. on some Porsche Pass songs wasn't that we- weird, really. Right. And know? I think the interesting, I guess, dichotomy with me sort of exiting music, these other guys, the three of you sort of continuing with the view. Yeah. And then Matthew, the drummer, stayed within the hardcore scene. So yeah, he was in yeah, Funeral yeah, Diner, yeah. which did a lot of records. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who, and he, I, I think he toured, I think they toured Europe like three times. They toured America multiple times. They toured yeah. Japan, I think. Yeah. So all through this time where I was like checked out of the, the music, this music scene especially, getting into other kind of music, every so often I'd see Matthew and it almost became a joke. Like he'd be like, some guy said your band changed my life like last night, which is so Matthew's an interesting individual and he'll say stuff like that straight up. But we had heard that people dug the record mm-hmm. and I had been involved in like IRC and some of these forums. And I had heard that the album had gone everywhere because of Soul Seek, which was this Napster like thing. And all of a sudden we had some strange. The good thing about Ebullition is he had massive distribution. So the record was available everywhere. Not a lot of people bought it. But then it went sort of viral Right. on this early mp3 sharing site and then so matthew playing within that scene he would be playing with funeral diner and people would get ports past questions all the time yeah and yeah. so i guess eventually we heard that that it's not like oh let's just get the band together because we want to do it but like there's some need or or want and right. possibly right. we did it way too late like probably 2001 2002 was mm. the height of ports past note yeah. i don't know you'd maybe know more but i mean um, i don't know I, I you know uh when i saw you guys in 08 um i don't know again like we, we're, we've been talking about like just like timing of, of things and i don't know it just you it, was it, the right time? well it was during a time where i was actually kind of out of the hardcore scene myself i wasn't really involved in punk i was i was playing music at the time but i was like playing in this rock band and it was ironic because i was in a band that was like signed to a major label and it was all this it was like the other side of of what music was and it was it was really funny because it was like me being a punk kid sort of being an observer as well as a uh, as well as a participant in this other world of music that i just i've been there too yeah yeah, and it it, it's a weird thing because it doesn't like you you just kind of like look at it look at it all and and you could just call the bullshit from the get-go and you're like what am i what am i doing you know and like am i a walking cliche like well that's the thing and and we were talking a little bit about like identity issues you know and i think that was a moment in my life where i was kind of struggling with with my place as a you know quote-unquote musician or an artist or like you know but also like as a punk who was a a suddenly suddenly found myself in this this world of like you know just brushing elbows with people who had no idea where where i came from as a musician right and like had no idea about punk rock ideals or anything about diy you know for sure and um when I learned that you guys were getting back together for those shows and you had you had done the, the EP, I remember, uh, I actually just talked to Jeff from Orchid about this last week, 
and this didn't make it on the on uh, on his episode, but um, but he was there too. As mm. were uh, well, I know you guys played with Ampere, which is Will Will Dandy's old band. Um, but there were other Orchid members there, and I hadn't seen them in years. And so Jeff was saying to me, he's like he's like, man, when you came out of that show, he's like, I saw like the look on your face, and he's like, I'll I'll never forget what you said when when you when when we set foot outside the venue. He's just like, that's that's what it's supposed to be all about, like, or that, or something to that effect. Like that's what it's all about. And I think for me, at the time and, and in the place that I was in, and the stuff that I was involved in, it was the right time because nice. I wasn't going to shows. I wasn't even listening to punk, but I remember going to that show and I was front and center and I was just it just it it kind of like it it gave me like a recharge and it Good. was like a reminder. Oh, nice. It was a reminder of of why. Or, or what it was, you know, that that kind of like brought me to that place yeah. in, in, in my mind and in creativity. Like, yeah, it was fucking wild. It was wild. I mean, and it was wild for us. Like, like I said, we had been hearing these rumors that the band was somehow not massive, but well liked around the world. People were paying attention. And which we had again, yeah. again, got zero recognition, anti recognition, if anything, at the time, which is, again, why we evolved in certain ways. Yeah, and so, but exactly. I think. The you know the work ethic of of the musicians in the band, yep. um, and the fact that you know I respected the legacy, I guess you'd say, which mm. uh, for me it was like that happened. People like it, like right. I, like I literally hadn't listened to the record ever. Mm-hmm. Like I think I don't, I think I never listened to our record after it was recorded. I certainly hadn't been had it on repeat during the two thousands. <laughs> but then the fact that we had this legacy and the, and these people were stoked. Uh, we wanted to make sure that the reunions were done really right, well, yeah. you know, just perfect yeah. from the sound, yeah. the down tuning, the rehearsals, um, and we selected those bands on purpose, right. not because I was part of the scene and and friends with Ampere, but because we, I mean, I guess it's nerdy, but we kind of did a research and we're like, people have told us about these bands, right. um, some common whatever creative strains or within the community like these are the kind of bands that we want to play with us almost maybe creating our ideal show of 95 which never happened i don't know maybe i'm talking out of my ass but you know there there was like it makes sense i was at least uh cognizant of of the trail that we left behind us i guess and so we wanted to do it we wanted to do it right start to finish i don't know if everything was perfect but for me it was like i guess our first show was here in sf it was okay. Our friends helped us set us up. It was a little we- of a weird venue. I broke the yeah. mic stand in the first 10 seconds. It was a little <laughs> chaotic after you had told me not to use a mic stand because that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And I told Eric I'd pay for it when I'd yeah, break you're it. Yeah, like, no, no, I and, got and this. And then, okay, and no, it broke. <laughs> yeah, uh, But then, then <laughs> I think... I mean, those, those that, I mean, yeah, sorry. But then, then we played Gilman the next night, again, a place where we had... It had been such a forming place for us, but also a place where we hadn't felt welcome originally. And then it was like, insane like the the gilman show was ridiculous because it was oh this woman flew in from ottawa to see you i'm like people even do that like (laughs) i would never do that for any band like that's not the the life i live but super inspiring and then we start we we play the first chords of kqed and there's people jumping on the stage to try to hug us or whatever it Um, was intense which was bizarre bizarre for me being not a performer but also really gratifying and um and cool that we had done this one record that touched a lot of people. Yeah, we'd done it right, and and I, I I have to say that I think you guys did it right, and everything was perfect. It, it, it went the way I think the shows were supposed to, at least from from someone who who went 
to see you guys. And it, it, it was, it was, it was reflected in like all the things that you're, 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 you're talking about in terms of what you took into consideration to kind of construct this, these, these four shows. And, um, of course the preparation of rehearsals and we were talking off mic just about like how important it was to really make sure that you were able to, to kind of dial in the sound that you had, had created, you know, in, in the nineties, like, yeah, it, I mean, it, I literally had the same guitar and the same exact amplifier tuned yeah. exactly down the same, the same type of strings yeah. we used. Made sure there's like no pedals or other things right. that wouldn't have made sense in the context. And I think while we're dialing that in and getting the sound, the sound right, it made sense. Um, it started with like, oh, we should like maybe have like a cool intro or something. Right. And we wrote like an intro right. yeah. thing. And I'm like, oh, it's fun to step into this character for me because yeah. what I get out of it the most, I mean, I like performing and stuff too, but like I've always just loved, I just been addicted to the creative side of just like noodling on the guitar and coming up with something and then, yeah. and then seeing where it comes with through the filter of the band and Rob's right. lyrics and, you know, Matthew's drumming and stuff. And so we decided, we'll see what would happen if we wrote in the vein, you know, something that would be right. authentic feeling like it's a Porsche Pass song or whatever. And so when we did the, the EP. Um, I think we decided to do it almost immediately. Yeah. Like we're we're going to start like, working. Like, let's see. Cause it felt more, it felt more less regressive. It wasn't right. like we're, we're like, we're going to celebrate this with some more art, not just with yeah, like, right. you know, and, and, but we're not going to do that thing. And we did in Japan a bit more when we played, but where we're okay, guys, here's a new one. Oh, you know, right, <laughs> but right. like, so we, what we released the EP over there. Like, yeah. you know, and, and, I, and I mean, I know in the 08 context, there was still a lot of negativity or maybe this is my perception of bands doing reunion shows, sure. especially yeah, our sure. type of band. Yeah. Yeah. And I think since then, almost everyone's done a reunion show and now it's normal. But at the time it was sort of like, are we really doing this? Is this lame? If yeah, we're going to do it, we want to do yeah. it on our own terms. Yeah. It's got to be authentic. And part of that authenticity was the evolution of the creative process and continuing yes. like we're going to bring something new to the table i don't know if it's i don't know if the ep is what we would have sounded like in 1996 if we could have done an ep but rex consciously writing in that vein i know i spent a lot of time in the lyrics mm -hmm. to get in that headspace look I, I think that um however you you think it went down um or or the the, the things that kind of made you self-conscious of, of the idea of getting back together like I think it really was important that it happened. I think it happened when it was supposed to happen. And I, just as uh, you guys making the, the, the EP in that time, it's almost reflective of how you guys operated as a band when you were younger. It's like you, it, things just kind of happened as they happened. Right. You know, it wasn't like the EP was motivated by the fact that you uh, had a reunion show. And it's like, okay, yeah, we're going we're gonna to capitalize on this moment. It's, no, it's, it's almost like it was not, just the yeah. second part of something that happened. Um, and like kind of like what kind of to what you said, Robert. Like it was it was almost like the reunion and the shows happened because there was this there was there was a need for it. Like you guys probably instinctively felt, and just by people, you know, hearing the chatter about like, okay, when's it going to happen, or like, yeah. is it going to happen? And, right. and and you guys did it, and you, in true uh, fashion of how you guys operate, you took it very seriously. Everything was very considered, you know, from every last detail. And um, you know whether people like know the level of detail and, and, <laughs> and the amount of work that you put into it. Yeah, that's just how how you guys did it, and um, it, it it definitely I think it's 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 very much appreciated by a lot of a lot more people 
then you realize, and it's weird when you're the people who are creating this. This, well, this. Art, so art, yeah, I mean, the art in general has a weird thing like that where, and rightly so, it just becomes its own thing or whatever. So yeah. you need, I feel like as an artist, it's nice just, and this is something about being more mature and having done it a lot. Right. I feel like I finally learned to appreciate the process. That's yeah. what it's all about. Like, yeah. I like sitting in this room playing with my friends and writing things in this context or, or just getting this sound and just whatever it is and enjoy that process enough. That there is just enough. Right. And then you're never going to hear most of the time who it affects or even know you could be dead, long dead and gone and somebody gets into a yeah. painting or a song or a, an article or whatever it is that you had a hand in making or made and the art is its own thing and it just has right. its own life. It and that's own, what was... Yeah. An interesting thing for me, like playing the Gilman show, for example, we were done playing and like people were stoked. I thought we played well and it was a great show and all this stuff. And then as soon as we were done, it was just like crickets. Boom. Everyone was gone. I mean, you know, people milled about maybe bought merch. We didn't have any merch probably except for maybe CDs. I don't even yeah. know. But like but, we yeah. didn't make shirts or right. I, we, we did, I guess, for some of the other shows. But we yeah. did like kind of had nothing really going on. I know it's weird where it's like and one minute it's it's like the energy is super intense and concentrated. Yeah. But then it's like, well, it's a lot different than say like a, some rock and roll scene or something. And I'm not saying one's better or, or, or worse, but it's a lot different. Like the, the, the reverence for the art was like insane. Like, wow, people even know the words. And it's like, you can't understand what Rob or I are saying, you know, it's like, and no one ever knew the words when we played in 95. Absolutely <laughs> not. You know? And like the idea that That's there's crazy. people like singing along. Yeah, that was, strange. but then it was weird though. Then, then we're done playing it. It's like crickets and like, you're carrying your amp out and nobody really cares about you or what you look like. Cause I was like, I felt a little bit self-conscious too. Like, Oh, I have like long hair and, and like, I don't look exactly like I did I in I 95. Too. Yeah, yeah. Rob had long hair. And so did I think Jonah and Jeremy. Anyways, yeah. Matthew, our drummer looks the same cause he has a shaved head. He looks well, you know, he guess he had hair on the first restaurant. Anyways, <laughs> but like, but like, you know, I felt like I, Cause I like think about all the little details down to the guitars and the strings and the yeah, pedals and the right. cables and the samples of the, of the, for the noise, the, right, the segues right. in between songs and all the different stuff. And then I'm like, you know, Oh, I wonder if it looks weird. Like we're just some old guys with long hair on stage or whatever. No one cares, you know? And it was yeah. just like so neat. It was not at all about us. Right. We right. could have, just been well, like no one knows anything about us. zero like, like yeah, yeah it was great it was totally amazing it was just like oh uh, yeah, people no. just really like this piece of art and yeah. we're all celebrating it and That's what it was totally it was celebration neat. really yeah and it was but it felt authentic it was just like we just played this and it i don't know it felt like we did accomplish it you know like we really yeah. made it and we played better than we did back then, but like you know, we at least yeah. well, that's part of it. We played way, way yeah, <laughs> but but you know, we played the songs accurately and, and yeah. better, and it's just like you know, we really tried to make it, cool. and it felt to us like it was like totally authentic. It didn't yeah. feel. I felt self conscious about it at first, and then afterwards, I didn't no, at all because yeah. it was just like we were playing. Like, yeah, it's just like oh, this is, this is you hate, take it or leave it, but we're really doing it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> said not too long ago just a few minutes ago about like almost like like playing the part or like yeah. playing a role where it's like 
you know, and I, I've talked about this with other people about how like, and this this makes it really challenging. And like, as far as you know, putting yourself in a particular headspace, right? And it's difficult when there's a lot of associations with, like, I, I I can I can really relate to a lot of, especially what you were talking about, Robert. Like in terms of just the things that you associate with the the time that you're you're doing it right. when you're younger. Um, it's like it it must have been. Well, let me ask you. When you return to Portraits of Past um, 13 years later, like the rest of the band, more or less, they were, they were playing music. I know that you had stepped down and, and, start, and you kind of went to, to do your own thing. Did you guys find it challenging? And, and maybe this question is more so for you, Robert. Like, how challenging was it for you to return to this headspace of, of being someone front and center, microphone in hand, uh, returning to to this particular lyrical content, like I mean, what was it like for you? For me, it was really hard. I mean, if someone had asked me to do it five years earlier, I would have just said absolutely no, never. Um, and I think maybe my personal life, where I was at the time, that we were all doing well, like all five of us, I think we're in a good place personally, and then as friends at the time, that it was the right time to do it. But for me, it was just a lot of work. Um, mm -hmm. It was physically challenging it's hard to sing those songs it's hard to remember how to sing those songs it's hard yeah. to be on time so again because i'm not a lifelong musician it was a lot of work and hard in that way which i think maybe made it easier because it was again focusing on the task at hand right um and i sort of had in the, in the back of my mind this gut feeling that it was going to go well so that's why i was committed to it but it wasn't easy um but I think, again, getting back to it, like the commitment to the craft or whatever, I think mm -hmm. we were all committed. I knew that those, the four of them were going to back me super hard. Right. It was up to me whether I could be even at 60% of what they're going to put out. Um, but, you know, we thought it out and we worked. We spent a lot of fucking time on it and a lot right. of time in this space rehearsing. Um, and I, multi I had to fly here from New York multiple yeah. times to rehearse, yeah. uh, which was cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely tough to get my head into that space. The lyrics in particular are... are are impenetrable <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, also super highly highly personal yeah, um, yeah. but again with the, the distance and time a little bit less personal is sort of looking back at um, me myself at the time the band at the time and the cypress dust dust Witch ep was really my review of the time since and or sort yeah. of my review of that time i mean that was about that EP is about Half Moon Bay. And I so I had a lot of these issues in my mind as we were rehearsing and, and, and yeah. writing those songs. But I think the commitment to the craft, I, one anecdote is I remember when we were rehearsing and I don't remember what was going on, but Rex is like, we're not having alcohol on stage. Mm -hmm. You know, because we were all straight edge at the time. Mm -hmm. Some of us aren't anymore. Some of us have become sober, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, and at first I was like, that's fucked up. And then I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like we're, you know, the reverence to the time period and to what we were creating then yes, yeah. it was like, okay, yeah, I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to have a drink while we're doing this. Yeah. Uh, and which is super rad. And it's again, Rex's attention to detail, but I think, um, that, you know, just little things like that helped me get comfortable with like, okay, this is the old gang or, yeah. you know, this yeah. is, this is, this is a legit shit thing that we're doing. Yeah. Also, too, like just just the history that you guys share with each other. I think that's also like it, it's such a monumental thing to to return to it after so long and to be yeah. in different places in your lives. Um, it's a pretty extraordinary thing that like you, you guys did it the way you did. And I kind of want to ask you a, a similar question, Rex. Like 
as far as like you know quote unquote playing the role or like entering that headspace and you know to what Robert was saying about like just how you picked up a guitar and you kind of never put it down your whole yeah, life basically yeah, you know like, like yeah. young adult life to now as you've been playing you've been writing producing doing the whole thing when you when you like personally returned to this body yeah. of work in terms of headspace and because uh, obviously you know uh, portraits of past is an incredibly em- emotive band and uh, a very authentic band the music is incredibly authentic um well and, and has a particular intention that you could just feel even if you don't know like where it's coming from you feel it so like as as like the creators and and um you know even as a musician who kind of never stopped after the band broke up for you personally like when you sort of opened the door back open what like what it, what was that headspace for you i think i knew because it's a feeling it's, it's 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 not something that you have to like try and th- think about or intellectualize too much i mean uh, right, the right. details sure yeah. but once you know you start you play a few chords you know and your hands go to that spot and um in the you know and the, the your pant legs are moving from the volume of the amplifiers and all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. it literally just took a few minutes of of starting a, a, a to get back into the songs and, and rehearse them, you know, it was literally like instant, like, oh, okay, like I'm back there already. Right. Like right. I, I can like just start playing, you know, the intro to bang your head or something like that. And it's just like, uh, it just, your hand, my hands just go there and the, your brain goes there too. It's like a feeling yeah. or whatever. Just like when you put on an old record, whether, whether it's a it's hardcore like a record or the doors or something, you know, it's something you've heard your whole life. Yeah. Being old now, like, I've had that music, not that I listen to it all the time, but mm-hmm. like it's part of my muscle memory. So once you do it, it's like, oh, cool, I'm in that space. And in, with regards to the EP, it was like that almost made it easier for me because it felt like this like, oh, well, there's more to say. And mm-hmm. it, it gave us almost more reason to get together or something. Like the, I guess I just, I love the creating something, not just performing you know what i'm saying and like that's what so much of what i get off on is just like the that part of it so it's sort of like what can we you know and for all of us too we all kind of feed off that but i was like really like hey can we like you know write some more stuff because it makes me want to be that much more excited you know um and i i think you are probably the one person in that headspace like i i I remember some conversations in here where like Jeremy's like, oh, we're, <laughs> we're playing emo now. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know what I mean. Like, sure, sure. Not as a cut down, but just as like a self aware, like, okay, this yeah. is happening. Yeah. But it's cool. And, and it Jonah doesn't. And I think just not to speak for Jonah too much, but Jonah just loves to play. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter if he's playing harmonica. Yeah. I just had him play on a friend's record, played harmonica on this friend's record, and just like we almost had to tape the headphones to his head, which we've done to him in the studio. He just he's at his core, just like loves to perform and play mm. whether no one's watching him or you know he's on the stage it doesn't matter and so he just immediately was just like you got yeah let's yeah. do it you know yeah. and yeah. and I, matthew i he's too opaque i don't even know no what he, he really felt stuff. it i remember yeah. i mean because he i think knew that more than any of us and he's the reason why i knew the effect it would have on yeah. people he yeah, had been right. hearing about fucking he'd been other bands hearing about forge of past sure a band that he we basically had to jump him into the band. Yeah, we forced him to play with we're us. We're like, <laughs> I think we went to his house and he still didn't have drumsticks yet. And we're like, 
you're in the band now. You need yeah. to buy drumsticks. He was playing like plastic. Drums. No, I remember it, some shit like that. We, <laughs> he, we're like, I, I remember <laughs> going though and being like, I think he can do it. I'm gonna go over to his yeah, house. Yeah, it was like and see, and I like kind of like was like, hey, can you play this kind of a thing? Can you do that sort of a thing? And, he was and six, trying to get sixteen the, at the time. Yeah, and and you know and. Uh, but yeah, I just I remember him yeah. at at Gilman and, and he was just like back there in his boxers short. Yeah. shorts like screaming into his drum That's because right, he right, was yeah. just i mean he was dope yeah yeah he was yeah dope. it was cool yeah. and he again had been playing his whole i mean he yeah. he was he was designed to play the ports of past reunion shows yeah he was playing versions of those beats for 10 years yeah or whatever it was 14 years and so what's amazing i think for you guys now is like you you did it and you you have those those memories in your pocket it's like yeah, there is. There, I mean, I would imagine there is something nice about being able to look back on those shows in two thousand eight. You know, this this return to the, to this band and and this sort of headspace as we're talking about it as and like, um, I don't know. It just it just. I, I'd imagine like now, even though like everyone's kind of leading their own lives and they're all very different, like it's almost like you can just have this in your pocket for the rest of your life. Yeah, no matter where you, no matter where you guys go or, or yeah. you know take your creativity or your work or whatever um it's like it's there with you for the rest of your life i just think that's a really special thing to have you know especially learning about all of the the hurdles and and challenges and obstacles you faced in in, in the the beginning years of the band there's something nice about knowing that you were able to return and, and you kind of applied the same work ethic and focus and, um, you know, attention to, to the band again. And, uh, I don't know. I, I just think I, from an observational standpoint, I just think it's so great that you guys were able to do that and that you, you all collectively got together and made it happen and did it exactly the way you wanted to. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just, I think maybe, maybe just as, a, as someone who really has always appreciated the band, I'm so glad that you guys were able to, to, to do that, and to do it as successfully as you did. Um, not not trying to put you put you on no, or or, I, or like. I mean, I think it's a subtle thing. I don't. I hope I'm glad you got it. Like that, everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's definitely subtle. Yeah. It's not. You know. It's it's just these weird vibe things. It gets hard to even talk about. It's like well, vibe. Know. You know, and it's yeah. just like, yeah. and so, it's just. We got really, you know, lucky, and we put yeah. the work in, but we also got really right, lucky that right. that vibe was still there and whatever, and that we could do it. You yeah. know, it's just super cool. Like, and and it, that's such a good point because there's a lot about this, this this world that we've all kind of um, individually and collectively have created f for yeah. ourselves. You know, with our friends, and um, you know, there is a lot about it that you you can't really talk about or yeah. like touch on because yeah. like there's parts of me that like want to ask questions about certain aspects of songs or like i mean not like not like like i, I don't want to like try and like 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 peel back um you know the 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 lyrical content i thought about this you know I'm like I, I it's like and i don't want to like peel back um i mean whatever i'm i'm finding myself not able to articulate it for the, the, for the i mean that's the point it's like there's yeah. stuff that I mean, yeah, fuck it, whatever. Well, like, it's impressionistic, right? So it's like, it's like having a brushstroke or something. It's like it's hard to explain some of the stuff or whatever. I'm not saying it's good or bad or that sophisticated. Even it's just it is what it is, and it's like you know. Right. And that's a cool thing I think about 
the indie community or DIY hardcore whatever mm-hmm. was when you meet somebody from it even if they weren't into your little right. niche or like you answer like oh like she's cool or he's cool mm-hmm. they can just say a name like Gilman or ABC Nario or, or yeah. Vermiform or whatever it is some right. word these is key little words and yeah. if someone says that and they could be wearing a business suit and totally out of it and yeah, have like 10 kids whatever, and like yeah. mm-hmm. you know or being some like weird yoga Instagram person or whatever it is now yeah, right but if they say like you know oh yeah like yeah like when the Rorschach the second Rorschach record or whatever it was <laughs> like I you know once someone this is key words and once someone says that it's like it's almost like a skull and bones like a, a secret society thing yeah and it doesn't mean it's a, it's in this totally it's the opposite of monolithic like a lot of the people wouldn't even agree on what's good or bad. I mean, yeah, the, the infighting's yeah. insane. But as soon as someone says something, drops one of those names, yeah. it's like bond. Like th- that, I Pretty trust much. that person. Like here's my wallet. Uh, literally, yeah, like yeah. here's I, my wallet. Cool. You know about Rorschach, or you know about Born Against, or you know about whatever it yeah. is, heroin, or any of these bands. Gravity. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. Oh, you know, you know Sunny K, or whatever it is. It's like. Oh, cool! Like, yeah, here's the keys to my car. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Like, I have a, you know. I have a really close friend who grew up in the same scene as us, and he said for a long time, um, he's our age, I could never date someone who didn't have this background. Which for me, that's not yeah. something I would ever say. And yeah, I yeah, have sure. mostly not dated people who are not in con- that context at same. all on purpose. But I get why he would say that. You yeah, know, there's a commonality there, a yeah. shared history, or these these, trust, these yeah. talismans that mean something to I you. I know it's or, almost like we need like yeah. a, a like a uh, POW or like a Vietnam vet yeah. flag or something yeah. that you can fly. Survive <laughs> You know, we need, we need to make those like collegiate rings. Yes, and just just like you know, like okay, yeah, oh, that guy's part of that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Hey, you're there's cool. the locust but, belt buckle. Yeah, right. Oh, oh. Yeah. that's funny. But but no, I, I totally agree and. Um, I think that um, as we get older, we do gain more perspective on like where where we fall within like our our social circles and friends and and people that we've you know brushed elbows with in in our younger years and like like Rex like to what you were saying about like 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 someone could be like wearing a suit or like that that idea just paint the picture of like someone not being at Gilman like wearing yeah. a, a you know whatever a, a, a bootleg born against shirt you know it's it's more like um the acknowledgement of us all kind of being older and having lived our lives um in much different ways kind of everyone has their own path but like you said robert there's this commonality that could be very quickly established with like one word yeah or like one one band yeah or you know and i think that's a really cool thing about punk rock and it's still relevant in my mind that um that idea of of that kind of familiarity and um yeah and i think there's there is something special about it regardless of how our relationship to it now our Mm -hmm. relationship to it two years after we exited the scene or if we didn't exit the scene there's something special about it it's not the same thing as being on an all-star baseball team from your high school at that you know what i mean there's something a little bit it's not the same it's not there's but something it's a vibe di- like we were saying there's yes. not what do you like it's there's not something different something about you can it quantify but it's it is i'm sure more, hopefully people listening yeah. who were there right or maybe there's a new version of it or whatever it is but they have their thing and it's like you just name yeah. one of those things it's like okay like cool we're you know we're yeah. cool or whatever yeah yeah i mean as the, the festival is called it was more than music and that's yeah. true but it also is in some ways just music and you know what i mean there's yeah. something about that that 
there's a totality there that I think affected a lot of people. Yeah, it was still more nice. <laughs> we didn't even <laughs> like the music that much, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not trying to be a, a controversial. I just no. I think that, being I think honest that, or whatever. I think you know? that's going to be a great way just to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but no. But and, but 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 also um, the idea of of this music and this culture, the our abilities and sort of and almost out of necessity in in some cases. Um, I just feel like when you're able to make it your own and almost use it as 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 a tool to kind of uh carve your own path you know yeah. or or like create your own space with with a, a very small set of people who who share similar values and have a a shared creative vision of 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 what it, what it is you're 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 trying to do artistically and creatively and um sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't sometimes it feels like it's it's like for for what but then even if you have a little space from it then you look back on it and you're like Okay, this makes sense, and and I think I think that's very much the case with with a band like Portraits of Past. You know, it's like in the moment you're really not sure what's going on, yeah. But at the same time, you 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 give it the focus and attention and 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 care that it needs to to become what it it became, and then and then time takes its course inevitably, and. Uh, and then you're around long enough to to kind of look back on it all, and then be like, okay, this 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 was a um, a really important piece to the whole. And um, yeah, it's hard though with art because I feel like you don't it. Like I was saying before, it's just a, a, the process. I like. I mean, being more mature, it's easy for me to say now. But it's like just do it and enjoy it, and hopefully right. enjoy the process, or right. not, or hate the process, but just do it, make make it happen, and the relevance of whatever the final thing is you're never you never really going to know it could be cuz you have no control once right. it's right and, and something that could be a total failure ends up touching somebody i've mean, had that happen literally i had that happen with Porsche Pass out with the 17 queen the, the super short band that Jeremy and i did after Porsche Pass the next tour had a terrible tour the next summer i mean <laughs> i think the Porsche Pass tour was hard ours was so hard we literally were like running out of gas and like yeah. literally like out of gas and um stealing food for real just stupid stuff and um making dubbing high-speed dubbing demo tapes to sell at the store or at the shows yeah you know at places we're staying and stuff but then you know meeting friends years later who are like oh i saw that i was at one of those you know and the people who like inspired or whatever yeah and who actually liked the demo tape we did or whatever that I was so embarrassed on. I was like, I'm never going to sing again, <laughs> you know, but, and we broke up immediately after the tour and whatever, but like, but you know, it's, so it's good to go out and fail and try not, you know, hopefully you don't have to like sacrifice personal relationships too much, but if you do, then you do To me, it's like the, the, the art just, I, I like that it happens. I feel like it's, it's definitely a way to give back to the human endeavor and humanity in general. Yeah. It's like, here's a little piece of art it might suck it might not be relevant and then 20 years down the road somebody uncovers it it could be something like you know i don't know like listen to cleaners from venus or some you know Mm -hmm. small tiny band that made demo tapes that now everybody loves or whatever like 30 years later you know or sorry 40 years later but you know and it's just like you don't know and it's 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 almost insincere to be very portia pass it'd be like insincere to think about the end result Completely. while you're making it like just make it right not for the end result but just for the moment you know and right. i think that's the whole ethos of the band and that 
probably mostly that genre. Not always, you know, not everyone's 100% sincere all the time, but we try to always be like of the moment, like we're just doing this and this is just what we do. Right. And somehow some maybe you know we captured a bit of it and it was it was relevant to some people afterwards yeah. you know yeah. and, and and you know it kind of was so that's super rad you yeah, know? yeah. But, i mean but, i think that's the know. takeaway like like yeah. that's a very key uh, uh perspective and um approach to it all is this idea of of you know leaning into the process versus being like okay let's figure out how to get from point a to point z and, and how, sure. how could we like most effectively do that it's yeah. more like no fuck that like like let's just just let's just let this become what it, what it'll become and just enjoy the process while it's happening yeah. and and i think like you know this idea of failure it's like things that feel like like black and white failures yeah in the moment again it's like you kind of said like like you when it might be a perceived failure in the moment but then you know yeah. 10 20 30 sure. 40 years later when someone else discovers yeah. this thing and, and, yeah, exactly. and whatever it does to them or however it may, however it affects them. It's like, I mean, that's, that's the crazy thing about it all. Right. Like, right. And when we listen to all these great classic songs or look at these paintings, we're not worried about some perceived failure of the creator or like, Oh, they're feeling insecure because they were yeah. short or someone said they were ugly or they were depressed or whatever like we're just listening to the art you know so right, it's kind of right. like if you can divorce those things a little bit sometimes I, you know but that's all just being older when you're younger i don't think even it's almost better to not intellectual over intellectualize yeah, no, it right to, right know, so. and just do do some weird stuff you know <laughs> just and, get weird and man. really cool you know? <laughs>